It's the Literary License Podcast, Kings of Horror episodes, reading and digesting books from the masters of modern horror, and viewing the films. Your co-hosts tonight are Vicky Ray, Leandro Ghazi, Craig Johnson, David Grant, and Keith Shogun, giving you a word-by-word, scene-by-scene, and everything in between, and everything in between, and everything in between, and everything in between, and everything in between. Podcast today, we're discussing American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis and the 2003 film American Psycho. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Matthew Brockheimer with us. Hello, Bro- Matthew. Hello, how's it going? It's going groovy. And we got Craig Johnson with us. Hello, Craig. Hello, everybody. Hi. And Leandro Grezzi. Yeah, hello. Finally, you've got a good name. <laughs> yeah, I've taken a whole month to sit there and practice it. Couldn't get my Caucasian lips around your Latin name, but I tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Templeman with us. Hello, Stephen. Hello. All good from a dreary, dis- dismal tea side. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, everyone. And I'm your co-host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Vicky, what have you been up to since I spoke to you last week? Oh, well, I'm healthy again. Thank God. I guess they say three is the germ. Yeah, Miss um, COVID. COVID. Yeah, I am Miss COVID. Yeah, don't matter what you do. That shit's going to get you. They don't care. <laughs> it's just going to get you. <laughs> Um, no, not a whole lot. We were just getting over an ice storm and it wasn't that bad as last year. At least we kept our power. Um, what did I do? I watched, um, wheel of time on Amazon, only eight episodes. I hate it. I got to watch a whole year, wait a whole year. I hate it when I have to wait a whole year. I try so hard not to binge watch things I like, and I'm still working on all of us are dead on Netflix. I believe it's South Korean film. I love it. It's dubbed. I mean, so it's not hard to watch. But it's excellent. I really love Korean zombies. They really got it going on over there. And Asher had me watching the Meg last night. He's getting all excited about the return of Meg too. But um, other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I liked it, but some people made fun of it. Well, it's based on a best-selling book, so. (laughs) Well, and I noticed that it was making fun a little bit of uh, Jaws because the little dog in it was named Pippin, and they had the little fat kid on the 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 raft, but there was like a gazillion Chinese people on the beach. It was really funny, but it was cute. What about yourself, Leandro? What have you been up to? Um, well, since last time, not much. Just watching movies, reading, uh, working, going to the gym again. Yay. <laughs> I miss stuff like that. I, I go nuts about the gym. 
to catch up where I was before. I used to go like every nearly like five days for sure. Oh, you're an overachiever. I only do like three week times a week. Well, no, I used to do it like really regular. And now, for example, no, I I go but do the training really quickly and then go home. Then probably don't know even like half an hour. <laughs> then eat ice cream. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> it's like one ball shouldn't hurt. I've been there for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Two tubs later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about yourself, Matthew? What are you doing up to? Oh, um, writing a lot. I'm uh, halfway done a new novel. I'm very excited about it. Uh, workshop right now with Richard Thomas. Uh, been getting some short stories published um, and getting my farm ready to go for the next season. In, uh, I see from your pictures that it's blooming. No, those are old pictures. Those, those were old pictures? I was going to say, I don't know, you right. must have a hell of a freaking greenhouse. Yeah, we harvested in September. <laughs> it, those are those pictures from there? Impressive, I might say. Thank you. The, the dispensary. I could be a migrant worker. <laughs> I'll migrate to work. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful farm. You think she must be a tester. So, yeah, I'll, so what are you doing? I'll do the quality <laughs> assurance. <laughs> <laughs> So you're just getting your farm ready for the spring, getting that all sorted then? Yep. Fertilizing and uh, got a rototiller, a cover crop in, all that kind cool. of stuff. And when do you expect your um, new book to be out? Oh, who knows? I got, you know, I got to finish it, edit it and sell it. So that's, uh-huh. that's quite the process, but uh, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's some fun stuff. Good outlaw. You should try Flaming Press. Um, try them. Oh, yeah? Yep. Who was that? Don Everson's with them. Um, they got a bunch of them. them. Really good. Um, they're the new voice of horror at the moment. They're really good. Who is it? Brain it's not press. necessarily horror. There's horrific elements to it. It's more like a rural noir, transgressive crime, like real crime, outlaw. It's about a lot of it's about Grateful Dead tour, yeah. which I was I talking mean, to Vicky about. I, I try Flame Tree Press. They're they're really good. They they deal with all. I say dark. I call it dark fiction now because right. dark. horror started getting its name back. But there for a while, you couldn't use the word horror. You had to use dark fiction for everything. So, but they're really good, and I, I'm um, and they take care of the people. They're really good at marketing and all that sort of stuff as well. So, and you get put in bookstores as well, which is another plus. So, and what about yourself, Craig? What have you been up to? Um, I've been. I went to see um. Uh, Back to the Future at the theatre. Uh, that it was really awesome. It was really, really good. The effects was really good. Um, and um, I saw, I finally saw Spider Man No Way Home last What'd night. What do you think? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it, it too. Good. I loved yeah. the ending without giving anything away. I didn't expect the ending. <laughs> It was it was it was worth it because I, I was supposed to go and see it um, just before Christmas, but COVID yeah uh, ruined everything. Was delayed for my birthday and everything, so I'm sort of like yeah, I gotta go see Scream because I couldn't go see oh, it because yeah. I was sick. I still have yet to oh, see Scream. That'll be a good one. And everybody seemed to like it though. Yeah, I want I want to see that one because it's like I like it because it's like uh, going back, but not going back. Like carry on from where it stopped. But mm. repeating the whole like right. the, the yeah, like Halloween kills a little bit. Yeah, 
That's also got another a second one coming out. Third one. Cool. Halloween's going to be this third because it's part. It's the second of the trilogy that's out at the moment. So, well, gone now, but Halloween. So it's available through demand on streaming. So. Gotta go see Jackass. I'm waiting for Jackass. I couldn't go because it was icy, but I'm gonna go see Jackass. I gotta go I love see those guys. Have you seen the new Matrix? I no, I've got it on uh, HBO Max, but I just didn't bring myself to do it yet. I don't it's know. I mean, once they they kind of went up their own arsehole after the sec after the first one. <laughs> I was like, I stopped watching. First them. one is excellent, but I mean, yeah, it kinda... two and three were pretty bad. <laughs> so. If you I like two and so. three, you'll like the new one. But if you didn't like two and three, you will not like the new one. That's no, to I'm going to watch it tonight just for shits and giggles. Though. I haven't it, seen it. I can't complain that. unless I watch it. So. Let, me, let me know what you think. But for me, it was a bit strange. Well, the whole the whole thing is strange. I mean, the whole... Yeah, yeah, but... Well, topic. We'll watch it and then we jump. I'll take a look-see at it and see how good it is. It's just sitting there. It's like on top of HBO Max. It says... You know, the title, it's like, watch this. It's like, you know, subliminal or something, but I'll give it a whirl. So back to the Future, the musical. How was the Marty McFly? Because at first, when I saw pictures of it, I thought it was a lesbian playing Marty McFly, but obviously, <laughs> <it's a guy. laughs> was any, so it was good, the musical. It was really good. Yeah, the actors, they, they're very, even the mom looked just like the mom from Back to the Future. Um, and Biff and um, so this really, is on really, stage yeah there was a lot of humour as well and um, it was really good it was really well done especially yeah, if you like like that t- the genre of music as well like the rock and roll and uh, 50s yeah stuff. that and, and Juliet are all transferring to the West End this summer so I mean to Broadway this summer so from over here so. and what about yourself Stephen what have you been up to I'm just been working. I'm getting over January blues, which have now turned into February blues. Um, I watched Forrest Gump yesterday, which I quite enjoyed. Um, and I started watching um, Yellow Jackets, which you recommended, Keith. But I couldn't really quite get past the um, um, cannibalism. <laughs> You've got to be in the right frame of mind for that, and I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I can't wait for the second season. Yeah, I'll revisit it, but I think when I'm... Yeah, I enjoyed it. Let's see. And myself, I started watching a Spanish horror series on Netflix called Feria. Um, brilliant. Really good. Very dark and twisted. A bit of gore. And that's quite good. That's an eight-part series. Um, finished Yellow Jackets. Really enjoyed that. Watched the Janet Jackson documentary, which is fantastic. I suggest every, you know, give that a try. Oh, the Janet Jackson one? You finally got to see it? I yeah, thought it yeah, was good. Yeah, over here now. Well, I thought uh, that a lot of people were really beating her up over it. I thought it was... A- Really good interview slash documentary. So I don't know. Feature zone, I guess. Well, I guess. Um, I mean, she, she's very private, but it's quite. But she's very honest and to the point, which is quite. Well, she actually kind of came out. One one side of it, she said Michael was kind of mean to her, but on the other, she took up for him and said all those other allegations were not real. So. Well, I mean, the who thing believes is, what? I mean, it's sort of like the day, you know, at the end of the day, it's your family member. I mean, if your yeah, brother, kid but you know you're gonna stick up for your family at the end of the day i mean yeah whether it's whether he's guilty or not i mean i just put this like michael jackson wasn't very bright i mean after he got off the first one he might have not wanted to go on oprah winfrey with two other boys you know <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah <laughs> you know, you know, 
you know, for someone who, who should have known about how the press and everything works, probably should have known better. Well, I don't think the press was that bad. Bad. They were on their way to getting bad, but no, uh, they, they, they were now, bad. But... I mean, they, they were bad. I mean, to be honest, it all started with OJ Simpson. After OJ Simpson, everyone was, you it's know, true. basically that's when everything got bad. So, you know, but it was quite interesting that, she, you know, I mean, first thing she says, she goes, yeah, I date. She goes, I have a habit of marrying drug addicts. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, good on you. But it, but it was quite interesting that how things parallel. But basically, it's like they're trying to go after Michael, but then they were going after her. You know, like the first allegation, right. she lost the multi-million dollar coke deal because of Michael's problems. Well, that's then, be, wasn't that because of, no wait that she lost because it wasn't that because of the no that's you know at the Super Bowl no that's because of the Michael Jackson's first sex allegations, and then the ticket happened during Michael's second one. So okay. it's quite interesting that, you know, they kind of went, went from one to another. But it's good. I, I recommend it. It was very good. So What, Titgate or the documentary? The documentary itself. <laughs> and then I watched um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is very great because it really attacks all the Karens and COVID and everything like that. So that what was, was that? Fun. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, I haven't seen, the uh, I haven't seen I that one in a while. Mm-hmm. The new series is really good. Oh, yeah. So. So, but besides that, that's pretty much it. Back to work and blah, da, 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 da. So nothing too exciting. So yeah, doing my contract work and getting all that sorted. How's the video game biz coming? Going good. Um, just finished uh, some stuff for Bestiba that's gone out. And um, I just got a contract with Ubisoft. So I'm just well, beans. Oh, that's good. Moment, so. So that's Don't forget good. us little people in Texas when you make it big. Who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> the one who has stood by you through thick and thin. <laughs> the one who stuck up for me when the, the internet were attacking me. Yeah. The internet was attacking you and Ginger, what the fuck his name was. Ginger Nut. Ginger, Ginger Nut Horror decided to go on a rampage about me personally. Well, it's going to that. Now this brings us to American Psycho, which is a novel by Brett Easton Ellis, which was published in 1991. The story is told in the first person by Patrick Bateman, a serial killer and Manhattan investment banker. Alison Kelly of the Observer notes that while some countries deemed it so potentially disturbing that it can only be sold scrap, critics raved about it and academics reveled in its transgressive and postmodern qualities. A film adaption starring Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman was released in 2003 to generally favorable reviews. In 2008, it was confirmed that producers David Johnson and Jesse Singer were developing a musical adaption of the novel to appear on Broadway. The musical premiered at the Almeida Theatre in London in December 2013. So what we're going to do is cut to the synopsis of American Psycho. We'll be right back. A 
American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Set in Manhattan during the Wall Street boom of the late 1980s, American Psycho follows the life of wealthy young investment banker Patrick Bateman. Bateman, in his mid-twenties when the story begins, narrates his everyday activities from his recreational life during the Wall Street elite of New York to his forays into murder by night. Through present tense stream of consciousness narrative, Bateman describes his daily life ranging from a series of Friday nights spent at nightclubs with his colleagues where they snort cocaine, critique fellow clubgoers' clothing, trade fashion advice, and question one another on proper etiquette, to his loveless engagement to fellow yuppie Evelyn and his contentious relationships with his brother and senile mother. Bateman's stream of consciousness is occasionally broken up by chapters in which he directly addresses the re reader in order to critique the work of 1980s pop music artists. The novel maintains a high level of ambiguity through mistaken identity and contradictions that introduce the possibility that Bateman is an unreliable narrator. Characters are constantly introduced as people other than themselves, and people argue over the identity of others that see in restaurants or at parties. Deeply concerned with his personal appearance, Bateman gives extensive descriptions of his daily aesthetics regime. After killing Paul Owen, one of his colleagues, Bateman appropriates his apartment in a place to host and kill more victims. Bateman's control over his violent urges deteriorates. His murder becomes increasingly sadistic and complex, progressing from simple stabbings to drawn-out sequences of rape, torture, mutilation, cannibalism, and necrophilia. And his grasp on sanity begins to slip. He introduces stories about serial killers into casual conversations and on several occasions openly confesses his murderous activities to his co-workers, who never take him seriously. Do not hear what he says or misunderstands him completely, for example hearing the words murders and executions as mergers and acquisitions. These incidents accumulate in a shooting spree during which he kills several random people in the street, resulting in a SWAT team being dispatched in a helicopter. This narrative episode sees the first-person perspective shift to third-person, and the subsequent events are, although not for the first time in the novel, described in terms pertaining to cinematic portrayal. Bateman flees on foot and hides in his office, where he phones his attorney, Harold Carnes, and confesses all his crimes to an answering machine. Later, Bateman revisits Paul Owen's apartment, which he had earlier killed and mutilated two prostitutes, carrying his surgical mask in anticipation of decomposing bodies he expects to encounter. He enters the perfectly clean, refurbished apartment, however, filled with strong smelling flowers meant, perhaps, to conceal a bad odor. The real estate agent who sees his surgical mask fools him into stating he is attending his apartment viewing because he saw an ad in the Times, when in fact there was no such advertisement. She tells him to leave and never return. Bateman's mental state continues to deteriorate and he begins to experience bizarre hallucinations such as seeing a Cheerio interviewed on a talk show, being stopped by an anthropomorphic park bench, and finding a bone in the dub bar. At the end of the story, Bateman confronts Carnes about the message he left on the machine, only to find the attorney amused at what he considers a hilarious joke. Mistaking Bateman for another colleague, Carnes claims that the Patrick Bateman he knows is too much of a coward to have committed such acts. In the dialogue-laden climax, Karn stands up to a defiant Bateman and tells him his claims of having murdered Owen is impossible because he had dinner with him twice in London just a few days prior. The book ends as it begins with Bateman and his colleagues at a new club on a Friday night engaging in a dull conversation. The sign seen at the end of the book simply reads, This is not an exit. And this is a synopsis for American Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis.
welcome back to the Literary Lessons Podcast. We're discussing American Psycho, but Brett Easton Alice. And starting with you, Craig, what are your thoughts of American Psycho? Um, I mean, the, the book, I couldn't put the book down. I mean, it is probably the most disturbing, um, violent books that I've read in a lot in quite a long time. Um, so in terms of like the sexual violence, the, oh, yeah. the <laughs> sexual scenes. I mean, I was on the tube reading, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, so like, is the person next to me <laughs> going to be seeing what I'm reading? But, um, oh, I know. I, I couldn't put it down and um i um it, it the um the materialistic aspect of it interested me as well because of like even now i know the book was you said 2003 but um even now i think we're even more um filled with consumerism and materialism with our social media aspects of stuff so i'm wondering uh, if it was yeah. if it was done now would would a lot of that stuff because i know he was using video cameras in the movie and stuff well, but would he be doing would made it a totally different it would, don't you think it would have been like live live murder live you know yeah. um it, it's quite interesting and um that i love the bit um when he's talking about his skincare routines I um <laughs> and I uh even the weird, there's some funny chapters. There was one on, there's one based on Genesis, but there was another one about all about Whitney Houston. Yeah. But it is still really well written, so you just go along with it, and then you're thinking, is this guy in a st- perpetual state of psychosis, or it's quite is a he? Critique he gives on the music. I think they even asked <laughs> Bill Collins what he thought <laughs> when the book was written. He said he didn't read it back then, but apparently he thought it was funny when he did read it. Uh, I mean, he gives a really good critique, though. It's like, God, this guy is actually really good at critique. Eddie met Phil Collins in Germany on a talk show host, talk show, and he said Phil Collins gave him the cold shoulder and would not talk to him. <laughs> Just really? turned, like, basically turned his back to him, and, and he was like, okay. The oh. author or Christian Bale? No. <laughs> the author. No, the author. Eddie Stanellis. Well, uh, just let you know, Phil Collins is not a nice person anyway. He gives a cold shoulder to everyone. So. Yeah. <laughs> He's been like Sean Connery. He's the kind of person you don't really talk to. <laughs> I mean, um, what do you? What are your thoughts, Leandro? Uh, well, in my case, um, I first watched the movie. I think um, around two thousand and five. Um, then now I, I read the book. Uh, yeah, as, uh, so it, it's different for me, you know, when um, when you first have seen the, the the movie, even though I'm not trying to, it's, you're trying to see if it's happening the same thing. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this, the, the chapters for me are a bit, well, we have been reading other books that were the chapters were really short. <laughs> this one, seemed, and the, the, well, I have this book, I don't know if you have the same. But it was the, an easy read, though, didn't you think? Yeah, yeah, it's easy, it's easy to read, but the, for me, the, mm. the letters are, are, like, really small compared to the other ones that we have been reading recently. They were, like, for me, really fast to read. Um, it was a bit like a screenplay, almost. Kind yes. of. Well, that first-person narration, I like. I kind of like that. It keeps me more interested. Yeah, and then the yeah. dialogue. Yeah, it just does. Like, it really keeps you more involved. You're not, like, an outsider, you know? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that part that, that um, 
about the um, process to, to heal the waking up in the morning and doing all the creams and all those things. Shit. I don't know women that do that much shit in the morning. <laughs> God. It's like it was lasting like more than half an hour. But I like it how it's described because it's like precise and it's explaining you why he's using each thing, um, which, well, I don't know much about the um, cycle, but imagine that they have like a routine that they follow all the time. Uh, or for example, you know, when he didn't like to, like, no one touch his uh, uh, clothes or, his or Rolex. even. Relax. Yeah, or, or, or even when he was having sex, he was looking himself. He was not even enjoying the moment. So, yeah, no, I really, really enjoy the book. Yeah, actually, this this one is one of the few that I bought. It reminds me of my sister's ex boyfriend. Really? Yeah. Well, like, quite, quite, <laughs> Does he have like, a rap sheet? <laughs> yeah, he was just a bit narcissistic and um. He's very narcissistic, very sociopath yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Gym obsessed. The, the millennial hasn't it really? The, the, um, yeah. Well, I, I, I. That you say that I'm thinking. If you, for example, I imagine like these days could be slightly more normal that someone you know look after like that. Even though it's, it's a lot, it's excessive what he's doing. But if we put this in, like for example, when the story happens, that I think is. 1990s or maybe the end of the 80s to someone be doing all this is like crazy you know you know what i mean like no one at that time used to use such a big amount of products go on tanning and all that even his friend when he was in the bar they were saying oh well, where do you go to get a, a tan um, um well to be honest um back in back in the 80s yeah, no. back in college when i was uh, in 82 83 um you would find that um, people started buying products. Men started buying products. That's when they kind of started, the, the whole yuppie thing started. Clinique was a big thing at that time. Eve Arden for women was a big thing. And men started using the whole Clinique, and especially in the um, frat house and stuff like this. And so they would start using that sort of stuff. Yeah. And another thing that you would find also is consumerism started being a thing. Labels started being a thing. Ralph Lauren shirts started being like Izod. Um, so the and al- so little alligator shirts wasn't that the Izod's? That was the Izod. Um, polo ponies as well. That went from Izod to polo. Um, Ralph Lauren, um, Gucci, Armani. Things started. Um, name brands started popping into everyday clothing. Um, you would be criticized and scorned if you weren't wearing the right labels. And this all started about like the early eighties. So by the time this book is set, like um, at the end of the 80s, basically, what we also have is new money taking over for old money and for um, and taking over and the poor are getting poor and the, the richer are getting richer as well. So the divides happening at this time period as well. But the I think another thing that you'll find with, you know, American Psycho, what it does give a, a view on and this i think this time i think first person narrative works very very well with the book is that basically i love the first person narrative even though he confuses me and i did you guys have a wonder is he even in the movie is he imagining all this shit yeah that i thought the the ending was ambiguous so i was thinking after it's only afterwards and i thought hold on maybe he's just by the by the patty winner show look at the every time he talks about the patty winner show 
look at what he's talking about. If it's like teenagers upset with their parents, you're in a normal reality. But if he's like going off about space aliens doing this and that, you know that he's entered a, a, a state of like in, in, in insanity pretty much. I mean, it can't all be true. He couldn't have blown up all those cop cars and done all that, you know? Yeah. Even the helicopters, like, they just disappeared. The helicopters just disappeared. Yeah, he also know, it switches to the third-person narrative when that's happening, so it's like a movie set. So he's like, He does. You know, he changes to third person. Yeah, yeah. That, that's wild, you know, to do that <laughs> in a literary sense. What's and, that? And, and I mean, when he's the third to... person during that action sequence. When it goes he from sh- I to him. It goes from I to Patrick. Yeah, yeah, he's really an accomplished <laughs> sociopath. I yeah. mean, I don't think he's so much. And then he a became Batman. There's a simple fact that yeah. if you remember that in the whole story, everyone's basically no one has a personality. There's no personality. There's no character at all in any of these characters. Mm-hmm. Not even him. And so for him to sit there and make himself into a serial killer, or anything or do whatever, he's to set himself above everyone else. Because at the whole the whole book, he is basically misidentified by totally different people no one remember, remembers who he is he's just like you know he's one of these people that you don't remember five minutes after you met him but no one remembers anybody in any of his books yeah. i mean that's one of the yeah. main themes of glamorama too yeah less than zero rules of attraction was another one that the same thing which actually has patrick bateman's brother in yeah sean right? bateman i'm a huge Betty easton ellis fan i grew up with him less than zero was a really important book when i was young before american psycho had even been written mm-hmm. um uh, yeah, there's a whole family tree in there, you know. Yeah, you I had no it. idea that when I got into the book that 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 he had these characters were teenagers and other novels he'd written. Yeah, so Pat- I mean, I was kind of chapter in Rules of Attraction. What's that? Patrick Bateman has his own chapter in Rules of Attraction. So, and that was before American Psycho. Yeah, that's wild. I didn't know that until I got into the meat of the book. It's like, well, this is really cool. Glamorama is probably one of my favorite of his books. Patrick's in that for a hot second. That and Lunar Park as well. Lunar Park is just amazing where he, he talks about writing American Psycho and how how he doesn't know what overtook him. He he claims that he doesn't even remember it. He's like blacked out. And then, and then Patrick Bateman like takes life and, and comes to haunt him. Like literally, not figuratively. Literally, Patrick Bateman comes to life and because he says this guy's muse. <laughs> well, it's funny because he's like a, a gay kind of introvert, but he writes himself in uh lunar park as what he considers society to see him as which is this extrovert heterosexual married to a model has children and it's really not what he is at all but he writes himself as that way mm. and then patrick bateman comes to haunt him and of course he's oh, by his past, this out. well he really felt this character That's... out i mean this guy when he wrote this book he's into it and I mean, before you get like, today. you've got violence, dehumanization, consumerism to the point of, what do you call it? Like almost like a, a, a pandemic with these people. I mean, have you, I mean, just the, the, I guess they're narcissistic. They're horrible to other people. You know, they, they look down on other human beings. They don't seem to have any emotion to begin with. I mean, I, I just, I could handle anything except the dog killing stuff. I just like, I don't care about the bum, but he killed the dog. <laughs> yeah, like, don't the kill the animals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, another thing I guess that you should understand about Brett Easton Alice as well is that he is, comes from, um, he's the same age as you and I, Vicky. He's actually a year older than I am. 
So he comes from that same era, as in, you know, where he's basically, you know, young 20s in the 80s. But he like comes from the valley, San Fernando Valley. He's like original valley boy. Yeah. You know, yeah. In New yeah, York City. It, it, but the it, 80s were the, the 80s were over consumerism was Coco, Coco, Coco yeah. back in the day. I mean, but Brett Easton Ellis's character, I mean, his personality is basically very Sherwood Oaks. You know, if you see, he doesn't Valley appreciate Girl, a good concert though. Any of those 80s movies are all take place in Sherwood Oaks. So, hey, the flaw with his character is he doesn't like you too. Who doesn't like you too in the 80s? I, well, I, you I are still a like bunch of Hey, Vicky, you know what Chuck Polinick told me? What? what? You know why you put a do- you know what Chuck Polinick told me? You know why you put a dog in a book uh-uh. to kill it? <laughs> well, I believe it. <laughs> like, don't kill the puppies. People deserve it. Animals don't. Well, the poor bum probably didn't either. I know. But I mean, he's just just the lack of empathy. Well, you the know, teenage prostitutes is trying creature. to get by. You know, well, you know, we say that about homeless people, but I mean, let's face it: when you do see a homeless person on the street, we all do walk by and try try not to notice them. We avert our eyes. We do. Sometimes I don't, put, though. I mean, what's, I've the, been, last, what's the last time you had an, a, a, a conversation with a homeless person without? Actually, yeah. not very long yeah. ago. Because yeah. it gets really cold here, and I get bags and bags of Goodwill. I'm trying to clean out the house, and I see these people so you, down the so road. I actually you take give your them garbage jackets, in your house so. and give away, so you don't have to take I it actually, down to the dump. I've got my favorite veteran. <laughs> I feel really bad for him. He feeds his dog before he eats, and I love the guy. And I don't understand uh, why he doesn't have a place to stay. But I'm not going to get into that. But I mean, there are people that don't deserve what they're getting, you know. And they kind of—I'm not saying that they deserve what they're getting, but I'm he needs Genesis's greatest hits. Um, Genesis greatest hits, yeah. Yeah, what was he explain? Oh God, man, he's just such a perverse book. I mean, just the kills alone. I mean, I would have never thought about. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, putting a bunch of cheese in somebody's vagina for the rats. I mean, that's. I guess that's an incredulous murder, and it's gotta hurt. But then again, he'd already messed her up way before then. I mean, he drilled her teeth out, cut her nipples off. I mean, this guy had issues. Well, he had to use acid to get the uh, tube into her vagina. That had to oh, I know. What, it's sulfuric acid or something? Yeah. Is that what he used? Because it wouldn't jam in there. <laughs> like, jeez. Um, <laughs> it gives me a meaning of maybe what Richard, maybe R- Richard Gere had to do the same thing with the gerbil. Oh, God. <laughs> we don't know if that's real, though. That could have been just <laughs> Richard Gere, bullshit. I thought that was a... There's no oh, yeah, smoke but... without fire. <laughs> that, that wasn't, you know, poor Richard Gere. But you know what? I feel more sorry for Rod Stewart when that rumor came out. People are just so full of shit. They're just, if there was, I didn't know if it's real, but you know how it goes. So, what are your thoughts the on uh, American Psycho? Um, my thoughts um, were really about the, well, the music, but actually what made me kind of um, laugh really was, um, you know, the whole thing with the business cards. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually in the it's film. Me more I think but the whole thing with the business cards in the film they play really dramatic music with the business yeah. cards and it was the kind of music <laughs> you would play if there was like going to be a murder or something like right. really dramatic like a murder happening but it was only when the business cards happened so that's what kind of made me kind of laugh out loud a, a couple of times really well you think of how much that business card cost too because you know, know. those are the actual murders that be playing kind of um, Phil Collins, Whitney Houston and like quite light, kind of quite giggly music, really. So I just found that quite um, funny, really. Yeah. 
that was, starts that talking about Susudio, that <laughs> yeah, and also quite um, that, that not to be rude about that type of music, but it's quite middle of, middle of the road music, isn't it? Really, it's um, kind of it's, it's, it's yuppie music. Well, one of the funny mm-hmm. things about all the music is he's a complete idiot. He's like Huey Lewis in the news picked some yeah. guy I'd never heard of to do one of his songs named Hank Williams. And you're like, dude, it's Hank <laughs> yeah. Williams. And he, he has no idea who Hank Williams is, you know? Yeah. And he, he thinks that the Rolling, he thinks that um, the Beatles wrote, um, um, you can't always get what you want. They're like, what's yeah. the saddest song? He's like, you can't always get what you want by yeah. the Beatles. So he, for all of his thinking, he's so smart. He's actually quite stupid. He's even stupid when yeah. it comes to serial killers. He thinks that it was, um, it was, uh, what's his name from Wisconsin, Ed Gein, who said, I'd like to see the, her head on a stick when that was actually Edmund Kemp, famous Edmund Kemper quote. Yeah. So he's, he's talking about his he's mother. He's a flawed he character Kemp? who doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. He, he named Ted Bundy in a part. No, he didn't. He talked about Ted Bundy. He does talk about Ted Bundy, but he did, he did, he was absolutely talking, he did not mention him in that he part. He talked about Ted Bundy. Uh, he, um, he is Ted Bundy. He was supposed to be Ted Basically. Bundy. Well, we were just coming out of a serial killer extravaganza back then, weren't we? Around that's the time probably the book absolutely. Was that might be why, because he chopped the woman's head off and put it in the fridge. And that, yeah. I'm sure Ted Bundy snipped the girl's no, head off that, at that, one that, point. Ed Gein, um, Ed Ted Gein Bundy did body parts. Ed Gein kept body parts. Yeah. Think, he oh, Ted Bundy too, actually though. did say that he took a decapitated head home with him. He wasn't caught with it. But he well, said he did. And Edmund Kemper was famous for bringing heads home. Yeah. He would bring them home and fuck them. And he would bury them in the yard so that they looked up into his mother's window. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't know That's that. That's before he decapitated his own mother and used her face as a dartboard. And put her yeah, vocal cords uh, and, and, wow. he and, um, and put him in the... Uh, Garbage is supposed to Because he yeah. said he couldn't... He said that's, he, he couldn't stand her bitching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You got I mean, the other thing about oh, Ed Cap at the moment is, is that Ed Cap is the number one book. Um, he does audio books. narrator. So if you hear a if you hear a male author, if you listen to an audio book, it's probably Ed Cap, the serial killer. That's what he does now. So yeah. oh, really? he used to do it for the he was when he did it in the seventies and uh, in the eighties he was doing it for the blind, but now it's it's taking a new thing. Mm. What is he? Has he found God? No. He just likes to read. Ed Camp is probably outside of the serial killer. He's also known as one of the templates used for to catch serial killers. The FBI. He helped the FBI in doing profiling. He was instrumental yeah. in starting that program. Well, they were trying to catch the Green River Killer. I think they used Ted Bundy and who else? Matthew probably mm-hmm. now you live in that area. Green River. Um, Ted Bundy and who else did though? I guess maybe it was just Ted Bundy. They were no way. They yeah. went to um they also talked to the 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 night stalker. What was his name? Richard Ramirez. He's not yeah. very he's not he's very, not very uh, reliable. Cordial. Unreliable narrator. <laughs> yeah, That's right. A very unreliable <laughs> narrator. But I liked how they incorporated him into 1984. I like that though. Mm-hmm. I like the series. He's like one yeah, of my favorite uh, serial killers besides Henry Lee Lucas. He's terrifying. <laughs> the Night Stalkers always terrified me. Which one, Henry Lucas? 
Yeah. No, not that guy. No, Night Stalker. He's um, full of shit. He's a liar. Yeah, he's full of shit. No, the Night Stalker, because he would sit outside your window looking in, waiting for you to go to sleep yeah. at night. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he would sneak in and shoot the man in the head and then... Yeah, and then abuse the woman. Yeah. Rip That's true, though. Out. Henry Lee Lucas, I mean, he did seem like he lied quite a bit. They uh, didn't I don't know if he actually did anything, though. He never actually got caught of anything. He killed his mom. He just kind of just said yeah. he did everything. Well, he did supposedly killed a lot of women in this area, you know, but no one really knows. There's a bridge down a couple miles down the road. They found one of the bodies that he claimed, but yeah, I think he liked all the cigarettes and coffee they were giving in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. And I, I, I mean, I, I mean, he's the kind of person if he's going to have, if he's going to have a woman, he's going to take her by force anyway. No one's going to get in the car with him, are they? <laughs> I'm surprised right? he had a girlfriend. <laughs> right? That girlfriend actually was, is alive. They interviewed her. The girlfriend, like, he didn't like leave her cut up. Huh? Yeah, she, yeah, she was she like 14, 14 years, years old. old. Oh God, they were just disgusting them too. Yeah, but what w- you know, I, you know, no disrespect for women, considering that we're dealing with a misogynistic book here. Um, well, can consider that, but um, I mean, women. I mean, they're not very good judge characters anyway. You know, they'll get. You know, it's like the Jerry Springer thing. You know, you'll get the the woman doctor and the woman lawyer and the woman businessman are making multi million pounds. They're all fighting all over this women. one skinny guy with meth teeth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't know what a bar of soap is and you're like and then at the end of it they always go at least i got a man it's like okay yeah okay go for it yeah, i like the way he said that he joined this occult group and that was why he was doing all the killings and they had given him the skull tattoo and they're like yeah. well, where's the skull tattoo and he's like when i found jesus it just disappeared <laughs> like, okay. yeah that's sort of like what's his name, uh, Tex Watson from the Manson family. He's a he's a reverend now in jail. Okay. So, he has children. father too. He fathered children from prison. Yeah. Gotta love those conjugals. Yeah. Well, How come they gave I him to Tex Watson, that, but they didn't give him to Charlie Manson? That's a bunch of bullshit, right there. Well, to be honest, if Charles Manson had a bunch of homeless kids and did that with them instead of middle class white children, Charles Manson wouldn't have been in prison. Probably not. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, he's corrupted these wholesome American children. That's what's happened. It's like, oh my I God. It's like, that's been like, if I tell you to jump off the bridge, you jump off the bridge and they send me in for a life sentence, really. You didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, Susan Atkins had a fucked up past. You know what I mean? She, she was, was messed she was, up. Like, I saw this movie the other day and they were portraying Susan Atkins as this like sweet little girl who had gotten wrapped up in the Manson family. And it's like, before yeah. she had even met him, she had been a member of the satanic Church, the Church of Satan. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm, I'm down with them. But she had been a member of the Church of Satan. Performed all this, these rituals. She had shot at a cop, and the cop, the gun misfired. And so, you know, what I mean, she had tried to shoot a cop before she even met. Yeah, Charlie. she was already messed up. She yeah. just needed that little and, push to really totally go over the edge. And that's basic. When it came to the um, Polanski house, all, all Charlie didn't tell them to go kill them. That all started with um, good old, you know, Sadie. <laughs> Wild and, uh, and then basically like the only reason why the second murder happens because like you need to cover up what just happened because that shouldn't have happened <laughs> we gotta make this look like it got messy now. yeah i just wanted to go in there and have a word with them and tell them that where's my recording contract <laughs> you had to get the chaz band in there yeah do it right yeah. well it was really terry melcher he was after wasn't he wow yeah Dora i knew Faith that terry wasn't there yeah well they're it's you know, complicated. Terry was they're all high girls 
So you just sit there and sleep with all the. I mean, I. I mean, I have to sit there and say I don't know if I would sleep with a Manson family member because you know they they weren't very clean as far as washing goes. No, no. <laughs> yeah, one has to wonder about hygiene. <laughs> There's this great story. They made it into a movie too about oh, he's this reporter and he and it's in the '70s. So Manson's in prison and he drops acid with Squeaky Fromm and uh, Sandra Good. And he's like, but they, at, at this point, they're still hardcore Manson family members. You know, this is before Squeaky Fromm tried to shoot Gerald Ford. Ford yeah. yeah. And um, he's just like, they're like trying to fuck him and stuff. He's like about to have a threesome with these Manson girls high on acid. He, he's just like kind of a reporter, like for this underground magazine. And he's just like, the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, is this happening? You know what I mean? Am, am I really eating acid with the Manson family about to have a threesome? You really need to wonder, am I where I need to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> am they i like making them, um, good life choices right now? they put I mean, on that sweet little girl act. that's like the sondheim musical assassins what's that have you ever seen a stephen sondheim musical assassins uh-uh. Uh-uh. basically all these about these people who assassinate american presidents and one of the characters is squeaky from <laughs> and she sings this love song about Charlie's Ma- Charlie Manson. It's quite, it's quite a really good song. Called, They've interviewed her in jail. And she love. still loves him. <laughs> called what? It's called I'm Unworthy of Your Love. Um, Squeaky <laughs> Fromm sings it with John Hinkleman. Oh, my <laughs> God. That is so good. A, and he sings it about Jodie Foster, and she sings it about Charles Manson. No so way. That is good. awesome. Oh God. At least mm. we're not sending letters to Jodie Foster. Yeah. Yeah. He's on, he's out of prison and on Twitter. And the only person he follows on Twitter is Jodie Foster. Are mm. you serious? Yes. Is John that Hinkley? Yes. God, man, the years have gone by. Well, I mean, Jodie Foster, all she has is about her, her, not, she's not a lesbian, but her girlfriend and, and their baby. <laughs> and was I in love with her as a kid? Holy moly. Like a lot Remember of that punk band, oh, Jodie Foster's Jody Army? Foster. The Jodie Foster mm-hmm. army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jody. Um, I read her autobiography. It's quite yeah. good. Yeah, it's quite cool. What's she that? Harvard, right? Yeah, she's uh, Harvard, yeah. What was it? Yeah. Yeah, she kind of disappeared for a while. She's disappeared now, hasn't she? She doesn't really I think she's producing and directing now. I don't think she's really so much into the acting. She did directed an episode of Black Mirror that was excellent. I don't know if you watched that show, but it was the one where the mother puts a chip in the daughter where you can she can see everything she's seeing through a, through her uh, iPad. I haven't seen that. It was it's a brilliant oh, episode. That rings a bell. It was excellent. Well, Jody. So going back to Patrick Bateman, um, I think another interesting thing about Patrick Bateman is um, as he goes more and more into madness is that. Um, the commercials that he sees, you know, like the Cheerios, the, the Cheerio being interviewed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I had to go back and reread that a couple times. I go, what? You yeah. know, maybe I got the wrong name. <laughs> but the no, toast, the toast is like, this margarine doesn't taste like shit. <laughs> I feel sorry for Gene, the secretary, though, you know, yeah. but he does yeah, seem to have what whatever you might call a, a spark, maybe of humanistic. Feeling, empathy, something. He's the only one who's not part of that, you know. The, the common theme that they keep saying, and that is surface, surface, surface. They say yeah. those three words together throughout the book. And um, she's the only one who isn't that. It wasn't just completely surface. There's a uh, slight depth to her. Well, everybody had to be but a hard body. Thing, had to be blonde with big boobs, you know. I mean. 
Well, another thing you have to remember is what the secretarial role was on investment bankers, and they're not part of that world. They work in that world, but they're not part of that world. They're just a thing. Yeah. They are a thing. That's what they are. And what so, what he's got, so what you know, what Brett Easton Alice does is that basically he's kind of switched it. That basically everyone in that world are just like objects, and the realistic one is the secretary. She's right. the one that lives in the real world. The rest of them don't live in the real world. Right. You know, but even when um, Jay, you know, Patrick Bateman's talking about politics and all the other stuff that's going on at that time, um, you know, basically is, you know, it's not about like that's helping. It's like, oh, we can think about this, but who's got time for that? <laughs> you know, because it doesn't affect us. And, you know, and you have to remember that everyone around that, I mean, if you look at Wall Street anyway, the, the Oliver Stone film, there's a lot of, you know, you can compare the characters in Wall Street with the characters here and they're, you know, they're not. You know, they're not very, they think they're influential and they think they have a part in the world, but they really don't beyond beyond trading money. I mean, right. And let's face it, I mean, does he ever work though? It doesn't seem like he's ever working. How is he making his money in this book? Well, well, I mean, I have to sit there and say that unfortunately, America and the UK, you do not produce anything. You guys don't sell anything. We don't sell anything. We don't make anything. We just trade money now. That's what our, that's what, our, that's what our company was. was um, and this is the beginning of that sort of thing. Was the guy that he hit with the axe, Paul Allen, um, was, was Paul real? And was he, um, what I wanted to question was, was he renting the flat the same as him no. in the end? Was you got to remember it's a, it's a work of fiction. It's not real. So that it's, and right. it's, it's in a dream world. So, um, I mean, well, it's that's part of the mystery. It's almost like a noir. He, he, yeah. Easton Ellis has this really spooky, scary, weird noir thing where you don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I mean, I was asking myself, it. and it's just like mm. it's creepy. Uh, I'm gonna read some more because of um his books. I'm I'm hooked. <laughs> I mean, you have I to know, find I, out I, that I Paul, Allen, Paul Allen is alive as well at the end of the book, anyway. Yeah, he didn't he die. Is in the lawyer thought he was making a joke. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, he's mm. losing his shit. But the and lawyer then, doesn't even know who he is. The lawyer, yeah, he, somebody yeah, who can think no, it's Paul Allen. You re- it's really knows ambiguous. who he is. And, and then he goes like, from. Well, I, he, I have a theory about this because when I finished to watch the movie, um, I thought, well, hold on. Did he? Did these people? I think that what happened is like they they know people, right? But kind of at the same time, they don't know who who the person is. You know, imagine I thought, yeah, I know Peter from finance, and then probably you think that you know that person, and probably that per- you're, you're you're wrong because everyone knows each other, but superficially, you know. And and this is one part that I think. Uh, someone came to him thinking that he was another person. I think what he has to realize as well is that people who live in, people who work in the city or investment banking, they all dress alike. They all have the same eyeglasses. They have the same suits. They have the same, they all wear dark suits. No one's wearing any color whatsoever. They have the same haircut. They all have the same, they're all very waspy. (laughs) <laughs> they're all, you know, they're very like, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants here, you know, running around, you know, <laughs> trading money. 
And they all, I mean, even today, they all pretty much look alike. They all, you know, if you walk around the city of London during Monday through Friday, there's not a lot of individuality going on. I mean, the, the shoes are all, you know, back in the 80s, they're all made by Kohan at that time. And, you know, now the shoes are kind of, you know, but they even the shoes that are labeled by different designers are all black lace up, you know, dress shoes, you know, you know, the designer might be different, but they all look pretty much the same. You know, the only individuality they might have is maybe a flash of color on their tie. That's the individuality. That's it. You know, it's always a white shirt, a dark suit, and then a top, the tie, and the, if they wear a corner square, that might be a color. And that might give them some individuality. But, I mean, but let's be honest, I mean, I mean e- even the colors that they're using are normally like red, blue, or you know, it's not going to be an, an you know a fantastic fluorescent color, is it? It's going to be. I like, never got such a lesson on fashion color. though till I read this book. I mean, this guy knows how to write back. He obviously knows what he's writing about, and he does research his his topics before he put it down. You know, I mean, I really I, I thought this book was a it was an easy read for such a violent story. You know, <laughs> the kills were fun. I mean, they were. Let's face it. <laughs> they were he's good. such an amazing writer it's i mean the kills are just so over the top and they just don't end you know and it's it's just the same way he goes on about clothing he goes on about killing the way he goes on about whitney houston it's just on i know he's just sitting he's there and he's writer. talking about killing or he's talking about this and that you know he's gonna kill somebody he's talking about susudio and he's gonna put a hurt on somebody you know i just just amazing book i really i love it i, think, I love i love I mean, how I he writes I'm going to look for more of his novels because it's very rare that I find an author I actually can read. I mean, and enjoy it and not get lost too much. Mm-hmm. But this one, it kept me going back and forth. I was trying to figure, is he, this really happening? Did people love and know him or did nobody knows him? I mean, you got to almost kind of make up your mind through some of it. It's also funny. It is so oh, with the detective on the floor, yeah. laughing funny when he goes to when his brother gets the reservation oh. at Darcia. Yeah, and he goes and he eats dinner with his brother, and it's oh my god, that is the funniest chapter. Rock and roll it was kind of comedic. I thought so too. His brother seemed like a real a hole. Yeah, his brother's one of the, the main character in uh, Rules of Attraction. I think yeah, that's hilarious. Wild how they all branch out into different novels. I have to find these books. I think we also have to discuss some of the misogyny that this book before it came out was accused of. I mean, this is before the book came out. So this is basically before this book came out, basically the, there was a misogynistic book and basically, you know, the, you know, feminism went all over it before, before it was even released. And the funny thing about it is that when you do read the women are kind of vapid, there's no character going on with these women whatsoever. I mean, well, they lack empathy and sustenance or substance too. They don't. Well, they don't have any. Substance. No they all it. have money, and it's about marrying into money and keeping that money going. So that's what that's what their whole goal is. So they're basically showing up, and they're just as bad as the men here. Basically, it's it's just about it's about who you're seen with and where you're seen at. That's what the whole book's about. You know, it's a bit like you know. Uh, you know, it's a bit like going to LA moment and making sure that, you know, if you're an actor, if you don't go into that actor show business area, there's a lot of places you can go. But if you want to be seen and spotted, you go to these places. And that's the reason why, like, people like Harrison Ford have a private life and people like, you know, Britney Spears and people like that don't have a private life because they would show up at these places that basically they knew what the paparazzi would be at sort of thing. 
sort of thing. I mean, this is back in the 80s, 90s sort of thing. It still happens today. So basically what American Psycho about basically is about is keeping up appearances. What do you think the about the way the movie scrubbed all the racism out? I mean, the, the racism is... You notice every homeless person is black? There's not one white homeless person? Because mm. like, you're like, really? I think the one white... There wasn't there a little white girl supposedly had a baby. I think she Oh, yeah, was there white. was a white girl with a baby, yeah. And there was the old... The, 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 old, the gay guy with the dog... I think it was the dog. That was yeah. The, oh yeah, the gay man um, with the sharpay. That yeah. Was, oh yeah, but he wasn't he a homeless with, person. He, he was some rich guy. That was a fellow book. rich person. <laughs> I don't want to toss that dollar in the girl from NYU's cup, thinking she was a beggar. Yeah. <laughs> like, good yeah. luck. She's like, what? She's reading Sartre. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, that they did use a lot of homophobic kind of whatever. I mean, he was. Oh yeah. He was definitely homophobic in the book anyway. And he always used those unkind words that we all try to stray from. All of them. He nailed all the words. I I mean, even even calling black people. I mean, that that word does not just roll off my tongue. No, I can't say it. The N-word, the F-word, he used them all, man. But another thing with Patrick Bateman is he's uncomfortable in his own skin anyway. He's He's not, he's not, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know anything about himself. You're he's dealing nothing. with a character who has no identity whatsoever. He's and greed he and a little bit of disgust. That's what he says. That's the only thing I am, is greed yeah. and a tiny bit of disgust. Well, he says he doesn't have any feelings. And they barely yeah. don't go into much of a backstory. I mean, you kind of get an idea a little bit with the brother, but not a whole lot. Well, well, these are the things that Ted Bundy all said. Mother. You know? His mother's a bit ropey. Yeah, so. that's right. He went to go visit her in a home, I believe, right? She's in yeah. a home. Yeah. But they're mega beyond rich. She is too. But like Ted oh, Bundy would always talk about in. that. He, he, Ted Bundy said like having empathy and feelings was a hindrance, and he was glad he didn't feel for other people because it was just a drag. It would bring you down, and you couldn't live your life fully if you cared about other people. Well, there's so, a, like he's just saying a that, that we use in criminal psychiatry, which is quite interesting, is that there's a thing called um, there, it's a theory. It's not um, you know, not one hundred percent proof, but a thing called the emotional blindness. And that some people do suffer this. And sometimes if you're like in a group of people, you might see someone who's like kind of a step behind what, what, it, what their emotions might be. And they might have a degree of emotional blindness. But they would find that with serial killers, and this is basically under um, um, Anna Jungian, who came up with this theory, is that basically with serial killers, they have an emotional blindness where they feel nothing whatsoever. But when they kill, they get every single emotion flooding in like this great big euphoria. They would feel love and hatred and, you know, you know, eroticism and everything all in one great big sudden rush. And that's, and that's what they become addicted to would be, that's why it would be killing and sort of thing. I now there are different things. I mean, now each serial killer is different. If you look at like gay serial killers, for instance, they tend to go after people who they tend to kill because they want them to stay. <laughs> so right. like, right. you know, don't like go, a, don't leave me. Yeah. <laughs> so like Dennis Nielsen, basically, if um, something happened and he'd pick you up and he spent the night and he went, he would let you go home in the morning if you had sex with him and he, want, and he left afterwards, he'd, he'd murder you. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer was the kind of person that basically most of the people that died with him was because he was, I mean, 
you know, he, he wanted them to stay with him. That's the reason why he kept them and built well, all If he gets out the crock pot, it's time to make an exit. Well, he was a product you know, killer, he, not a process he, killer. It wasn't the crock pot. He would try to drill them. He tried to drill them in the back of the head and uh, give them lobotomies um, with a drill because that way he would make them stay. That would really lobotomies stay. are just heinous. Um, John Wayne Gacy heinous. is another person that basically was that he got caught the first time. So that then, so after he got caught the first time, um, then it's like, oh, I need to kill them so that way I don't get caught again, sort of thing. Right. So we're not. So I'm, I think that it's not so much of a keeping. But then again, he kept all the bodies there with him underneath the floorboards and, and kept a lot of stuff of their stuff all around them. So he had all their stuff around them. He was a process killer as opposed to like a product killer. Like Dahmer killed for the body. He didn't like the. He didn't like killing. He didn't like torturing. But he wanted that dead body. He yeah. was a necrophile. Yeah. Whereas John Wayne Gacy was a full on sadist and just wanted to torture. He loved torturing, you know? Yeah. yeah. The torturing side of it. And if, if he never, if he if he got caught, if, they, if no one, if the first person that turned him in, never turned him in, he probably wouldn't have killed. It's because it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like a, um, a pedophile who kills. A pedophile doesn't start out killing. They normally kill after they get caught the first time. And now that they keep on doing it, they have to like, get rid of the evidence. Sure they don't go back sort of things so that are, co- they're covering the tracks sort of thing. Gacy was a longtime necrophile, though. He had a job as an undertaker in Los Angeles. Did you hear this? And uh, he got fired for having sex with the bodies. But they kept it. They didn't want it to leak out. They kept it very hush-hush. You know what I mean? You don't want your funeral home to be like, oh, yeah, we just fired a guy for fucking the bodies. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, um, yeah. Yeah. It's well, Jeffrey Dahmer was born, born um, like into I mean, he was he, that was the way he was born. I mean, when he was age of two or three, he wouldn't play with toys. He would look up for he would look for dead um, bones and just play with bones all the time. That's what he did from the age of two. Who he wouldn't play with toys. Dahmer? He just, yeah, Dahmer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He loved. Well, I mean, there is, and I mean, I play with bones, and I've always played with dead things. I don't have any bodies around. I swear, <laughs> I, I don't. And. uh <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I'd be a serial uh, killer, but it's just too much work. Taxidermy, you know, taxidermy is <laughs> a cool thing, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's just too much work covering the body. Now there's DNA and CTV yeah. everywhere. It's like it's a you know, uh, Oh yeah, it's hard to there. be a serial killer these days. You can see you have good drainage systems. Yeah, you can't get away with shit anymore. <laughs> no, you're tracked everywhere you go. I know um, it. Not like the good old days. Now you don't hear about too many serial killers anymore. Now that you think about it, do you? They're around, you hear about it. Once they're around. around, but I mean, yeah. you don't hear about. Not like it was. No, you don't hear that their exploits um, on the news. Right now, I I think that they are. I think I mean in this country. Well, I'm not sure now that Brexit's happened in this country. They're still operating, but the thing is that we due to um, free travel, they tend to go from country to country now. It's a lot easier. They think that the uh, Ripper actually came over here during, uh, you know, and then he never died in England, that he came over here and continued his whatever. Well, they found the DNA of that guy. I don't know if it, if it proves it conclusively. Do you know what I'm talking about? They found Jack the Ripper's DNA. And- I watched something about it on um, Netflix a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was the same one, but I don't know if it was DNA. Yeah, they found this DNA and they say it's, I mean... It's so guy. old. It's so old, but how do you? But they they claim it's Jack the Ripper's DNA, and they yeah. were able to find a living relative and take it back to the I watched that, that yes, was a suspect. And he yeah. was he wasn't like a surgeon or anything like that. He was just some scumbag in London, just a regular old dude. Yeah. They figured out who he was by an apartment. Something about the apartment murder. Yeah, 
What was what was her name? Mary Hathaway. Mary Kelly, was it? Mary Kelly? She was she was murdered in her apartment. He really yeah, messed her. That was up. the last one, man. He brutal. Yeah. Well, he I mean, started. He, was, he start, You know, he started off small and worked his way up. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like the Yorkshire Ripper, he did too. Oh, Yorkshire yeah. Ripper basically he was just hitting. I mean, he was he didn't really he didn't really cannibalize them or anything like that. He no. raped them and hit them over the head with a hammer. So, you know, I mean, That's if you're gonna, basically if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do a, a move out the Yorkshire Ripper, I mean, you're gonna have to get the rights to Maxwell Silver Hammered by the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Charlie Manson loved that song too. Which yeah. one? Bang, bang, Maxwell Silverhammer came down upon her head. <laughs> bang, bang, Maxwell Silverhammer made sure that she was dead. <laughs> I guess we're all mental here a little bit. Okay. Fondly about serial killers. I mean, there are serial killers anyway running around. All. You know, the thing is, though, the problem basically is that, you know, I hate to say it, though. If you're if you are a serial killer out there and you do want to get away with it, if you if you know if you keep to like poor people who have you know or homeless people or something like that and kill amongst those kind of people, chances are yeah, don't kill any middle or upper middle class to upper crust well, people because then kill, you're gonna get don't caught. kill anyone famous. Yeah, you know? they call them the less dead. The kill less dead and the most the most less dead is really sad. It's <laughs> prostitutes and and also pro- uh, minority prostitutes, black prostitutes. Like that well, guy in LA, like, what was his name? The uh, Grim Sleeper. He went on forever and ever, and he killed yeah. so many. And no one, it's because no one even looked into it. No one even well, so gave it. The Yorkshire Ripper, the Yorkshire Ripper was the same. Yeah. Uh, that, that went on forever. Well, and the way that that was investigated. They got a thing for police. prostitutes because me and, Keith, well, me and Keith talked about it a couple times. We're marginalized people. Name? He's talking about more yeah. like marginalized, marginalized yeah. people for sexual. What was his name? Art, Arthur Shawcross. He killed two children when me and yeah. Keith were about that age. He decides to leave the Watertown, New York, Rochester. Well, he goes to Rochester. They let him out after 25 years because they show his picture on TV where he's living. And the Blake family all saw it. And they were going to go kill him. But he ends up in Rochester and he kills a bunch of hookers. Yep. You well, know, they're, they're, and he had killed children. That was a weird crossover. People don't miss them when they're gone. That's why. Yep. Yeah. But that was a big deal when he killed Jack Blake and, and Karen Hill, though. Oh, what about that guy? Are we talk about serial killers? The guy in Canada who fed who fed him to the Hell's Angels and shit. You know, <laughs> yeah. He had the I mean, pig farm. Willie Pickton. Willie Pickton, and they had the pig farm, and they would have fuck. He would kill the hookers and then mix them up with the pigs they killed and have huge find and feed them to the people. That's a gnarly, gnarly, gnarly. Story. Yeah, but they, the pigs will eat anything now. They really. Oh, so he just strip. He didn't. He would take the bones and take them to the processing plant to be broke down in like with the pig bones. He would just mix the human bones and the pig bones. And then he would just take the flesh and mix it with the pig flesh. I wonder how much, I wonder if the Zionists are right. I wonder how many times if I actually ate people, the Zionists are, wait, no, some of the Jewish people are convinced that the Zionists are putting um, meat, human, human flesh into McDonald's hamburgers. I don't eat there anyway, so it's not a problem for me. Really, I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I really. Hope I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. That, I'm sure that people taste like chicken. Everything does. You can grow <laughs> taste human like flesh. Chicken. Now you see that shit. You can grow yourself. You can flesh, grow your, yeah. your flesh. I just can't and eat, eat it that and use it as food if you want. It doss. doesn't look right to me. 
it's creepy as fuck looking, man. Oh I, my the only God. Plant, yeah, the only plant-based stuff I want is meat from a meat plant. That is all <laughs> I want. Yeah, but you also got to remember your own what, what happened <laughs> when they were feeding, what, was, what was happening to cows when they were feeding them meat byproducts made from cows? They went, the mad yeah. cow disease happened, didn't it? So, yeah. like, mm, yeah. No, that's going to end then. So before we move to the film, what's your thought? Um, what are your final thoughts on American Psycho? So giving it um, some butcher knives, how many butcher knives would you give it, Craig? Um, I would give it uh, five out of five butcher knives. It was, it was, I loved it. It was really good read. And I want, I'm looking forward to reading more stuff now, now that Thank I know you. there's I'm more, more books. Yeah, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to try to find some of his stuff, too. I love his style. What about yourself, Stephen? How many butcher knives do you give the book? I would give it, for me personally, I would give it three because it's far too graphic. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, compared to the film, like I'd much rather watch something like the film, which the comedy and stuff like that was more um, prevalent for me. But yeah, for the book, too, too much. I couldn't I couldn't hack it. <laughs> they were pretty but disgusting worse. kills. They were I, mean, I can't, I can't, I can't. A lot yeah. of sexual was... violence for sure. Yeah, like yeah, it's too much. And what about yourself, Matthew? How many butcher knives do you get? Twelve out of ten butcher knives. Uh <laughs> the last great American novel written by one of the greatest living writers today, uh says so much a postmodern masterpiece that 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 is such a commentary on the uh the consumerism and the um you know capitalism of the 80s culture of the 80s uh, yeah especially he the nailed 80s. the culture of the 80s he yeah. nailed it and yeah. the whole culture of the yeah. 80s and the me generation and um just everything it's it's fabulous and um you know i i read it probably 10 times and i just reread it again last night for the for this and um it still okay. rings true although the, the use of the n and the f word is is extreme in today's society yeah. you know what i mean it's extreme but, um, yeah it's extreme. but uh <laughs> i think it's still it's a powerful book that holds up it's it's hilarious i mean it is just drop dead fucking funny in the darkest blackest humor it's it completely nihilistic you know i mean with the ending it's just which is a uh a, a brett easton thing that's all he's very nihilistic everything always ends with like an abortion or like a death or just like this is no exit you know what i mean this it's or the rules of attraction doesn't end it be and it doesn't begin i don't know if you remember this but it's just like dot 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 starts in the middle of a sentence and it ends the same way you know well doesn't the first chapter kind of end up like the last chapter kind of sort of a little bit if i remember correctly well, well, not the same. Looking but... at graffiti, and it ends with—he's looking at a sign and looking at a sign. Yeah, it begins with him. He's looking at the the Chase Manhattan building, and it, yeah. it's, no one gets out of here alive, or or and uh, whatever it says. And then it ends with him looking and says, "This is not an exit. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here." Yes, yes, that's the first right. Thing he sees, and then a bus with Les Miserables goes in front and blocks it out. <laughs> Yeah, remember late the Lay Miz really takes over the book as well. He's kissing the poster at one point. He's like making out with the poster and someone's right written underneath it and shit. Yeah. Making out with Eponine. 
in the dirty subway, dude, you're like, you pay all that money for your facial and then you're going to rub it up on that poster, dude. <laughs> oh, subways. It's like, no, especially so in the 80s. Well, they got a little right. better, but no. Uh, I have, you, know, really I have, you, know quite, you know what's quite funny about that imagery is that um, Epony in the, in the musical Les Miserables, um, she is the number one gay character to go to. That's like all gay, all gay guys identify with Le- <laughs> Epony, the little who is represented in the poster for Les Mis. <laughs> so it's like that Patrick Bateman gets his character. It's like a little Brett Easton Ellis <laughs> slightly coming out there. I'm slightly coming out, right? Yeah, out. totally. So, he took all that, the brunt of all that kind of. You know what I mean? He didn't as a as someone in the closet. You know what I mean? He just sat there. He didn't come out and be like, "I'm actually gay." You know what I mean? Like you're the author. I don't know complicated it's a complicated world well, what's even funny is the same people who are slamming it i mean this is a, you know if this is if this came out as social you know in the world today basically they would have they would have canceled it but thank god social media yeah. wasn't invented because they were like they were like, this is most horrible before it even yeah. came out and then it comes out and all of a sudden it's like now all these people who said it was horrible they're like it's our part and saying it's the best book ever <laughs> it's like they finally read it it's like the best book ever. It got banned. That's usually if it says it got banned, that's usually what piques my yeah, curiosity on anything. Up. The best thing to happen is have your book banned because more people will read yeah. it. Oh so, god, yeah. So so what about your stuff, Leandro? How many butcher knives do you give this? Uh uh what is the scale? One to what? Ten? One no. to five. Uh four and a half. Whoa. Um yeah, I, I enjoy it. I really like it. Um, what you you were saying about um, there was a case I was watching the other day on TV that happened. I don't remember. I think in the nineties or early two thousand, there was a couple, and the man killed the wife, but they can't find the body, and with no body, there's no uh, they can prove it exactly. But they could see in the camera that he had drove like like for like three hours, and they came back home, so he couldn't have gone really 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 far away because. He will be passing our radius. And it was really interesting, you know. Um, sorry, I tell you this, but it was from what we were chatting before. Um, I re- yeah, I really enjoyed the book. I like the way he described um, the things. It's really, like, easy to imagine what you're reading. Say, proper and a half. I think if you're going to kill someone, just do the Edgar Allan Poe thing and just run behind the wall in your house and work it back <laughs> up. Just, just, make sure you, just make sure you're a very good pastor to get away with it. And what, what about yourself, Vicky? What, um, what would you rate it? Um, I'd definitely give it 5 to 11. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an excellent read. I like an author that really catches my attention then again you know i like all that gory shit so i mean i was just sad that they didn't incorporate some of the extra gore into the movie just like where's this kill where's that kill i wanted to see that one but um i thought it's like i think he's i love the author I've, i've never read any of his books i've never read this book but knowing that there's a whole like family tree out there, like Matt said, I'm going to try to find a couple of these books and read it just because I want to find out what happened to these other characters, you know, are they just as fucked up as him or, you know, or what, what goes on here. But I, I think it's a, an excellent novel. I mean, it definitely kept my attention. And I mean, I'm really ADHD too. So if I couldn't put it down, anybody can read it. I'm going to give it five stars. Um, American Psycho is one of those books that gets better with H. Also, I think when I first read it after the hype, 
I wasn't that enarmed with it. I was just like, I was kind of slightly disappointed when because I read it when it first came out. And and um in the movie, you know, we'll talk about the movie next. But um, yeah, I was like, uh, but rereading it this time, I loved it because but I, cause I was a big Less Than Zero fan and I loved Rules of Attraction as well. So um, so I am a Brett Easton Alice and I actually, I found looking at this from, you know, out of, universe, out of uni reading it and reading it now as an adult, I think it's, you know, I think it's probably one of the best books that basically does capture the 80s without being pretentious, but keeping the pretentious of the 80s alive. Well, especially those of us who lived through the 80s and remember it, you know, it was definitely a nothing succeeds like excess kind of mentality. And then, you know, well, this is the birth of what we got today. And I thought that's quite interesting about reading it today. It's basically the birthplace of where we are. This is the reason why we are in the world we are living in now is because of this is what was happening at that time. Dude, I remember so being a teenager and watching MTV. And Brett Easton Ellis was on there at like spring break and he's sitting there and everyone's talking about less than zero. And I went and got the book and read it. It it fucked my head up. It made me really depressed, man. He like had a A book as a youth. (laughs) Less than zero. Yeah. Yeah. Less than zero at the end. They made a movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Jamie Getz. This is, you know, right. Oh, I've read that. Okay. With Martin Downey Jr. Okay. When they had that girl tied to the mattress at the end of the book and shit, dude, that really fucked me up, man. That scene in particular, I can like see it in my head and like reading it as like a kid. It's fucking brutal. I didn't know he wrote that. Yeah. And it gives you, I mean, it's probably one of the first 21 books that really dealt with drug addiction quite realistically as well before that it was kind of you know you that's had brutal too very soap yeah. opera but this is kind of a more of a matter of fact thing so it's quite interesting So this brings us to American Psycho, the film, which is a 2000 black comedy horror film directed by Mary Heron, written by Heron and Jenny Turner. It is based on Brett Easton Ellis' 1991 novel, American Psycho, set in the late 1980s. The film stars Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman, a yuppie New York City investment banker who is gradually revealed to be a serial killer, preying on homeless people, work colleagues, prostitutes, and finally random members of the public. The film also stars William Defoe, Jared Leto, Josh Lucas, Chloe Savani, Samantha Memphis, Kara Seymour, Justin Thoreau, and Reese Witherspoon. Producer Edward R. Preston purchased the film rights to the novel in 1992 after discussions with David Cronenberg fell through. Heron was brought on to direct and Bale was cast in the lead role. Lionsgate Film acquired worldwide distribution in 1997 and Tempe replaced Heron and Bale with Oliver Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio, respectively. After DiCaprio left in favor of the beach instead, Heron and Bale were brought back. American Psycho debuted at the Sundance Film Festival on the January 21st, 2000, and was released theatrically on April 14, 2000. The film was a financial success and received mostly positive reviews, but particularly praised for both Bale's performance and the screenplay. It has since developed a cult following. A directed video sequel called American Cycle 2 was released in 2002. Uh, stay away from that one if you can. A bait with almost no relation to the original. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of American Cycle and be right back. 
new card. What do you think? Whoa, very nice. Patrick, you're so sweet. Jean. Yes, Patrick. Would you like to accompany me to dinner? Sabrina, why don't you dance a little? Christy, get down on your knees. We're not through yet. That's a wonderful suit. You look so soft. I don't think I can control myself. If you stay, something bad will happen. I feel lethal, on the verge of frenzy. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. Do you have any witnesses or fingerprints? Actually, yes. Hmm. You're inhuman. I know my uh, behavior can be erratic sometimes. Hey, Paul! So, what do you do? I'm into, uh, well, murders and executions mostly. I have all the characteristics of a human being, but not a single clear, identifiable emotion. I simply am not there. I, uh... <laughs> I just had to kill a lot of people! Welcome back to Literature Relations Podcast. We're discussing American Cycle, the film from 2000. And starting with Stephen, what are your thoughts of the film American Psycho? Well, I could watch the film. I'm like <laughs> reading the full book because I think in the film, a lot of the stuff around, um, a lot of the murders, actually, although it was quite bloody, a lot of it was left to your own imagination, really. You didn't quite see a lot of the, a lot of the kind of um, stuff which I always think is um, scarier, really, in, in, in many senses, because you can imagine what's happening or, like, imagine scenes. Um, so I kind of enjoyed that, really, in, in a way. Um, obviously, I talked earlier about the card um, stuff and the, um, showing these business cards and, and the dra- dramatic music around that. I thought the music throughout was quite a good kind of comedy tool um, in the film, um, mm. Because you'd have this dramatic music playing when they were talking about business cards and something that was very kind of um, tawdry and a bit boring, really. And then you'd have this very kind of mu- mundane kind of um, like Whitney Houston type music with these really graphic um, <laughs> murder scenes, which I just thought the juxtaposition of that was really, really quite funny. Um yeah, I think if I was listening to that music on a daily basis and having to clone myself like that on a daily basis and be that type of person, I think I'd have murderous thoughts and these thoughts. I, I can see why um, that character was like that, really, and I thought that came across very well in the film. Well, I had murderous thoughts every day on my way to work, so I can't say <laughs> Me too. I, can, I look at people on the tube going, God, if they just slice their throat open, I'd be such a happier person. I actually think that's kind of thought. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's the monotony of 
uh, it doesn't matter who you are actually or where, like what type of life you've got it's the monotony of everyday life it's kind of alienation isn't it really I think there's a bit of that going on and I think that so it doesn't matter whether you're like the lead character in American Psycho or you're just me if like if you're a bit bored really you can understand why these 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 thoughts could creep in really I'm not saying that these, these thoughts have crept in for me but you know trying to make your life a bit different I think or trying to make something that day different and I think that obviously it just escalated out of control for, for from the lead character but but I, I get it like I totally get it what about go. yourself Matthew what are your thoughts of the film Oh, it's a cute film. It was, it's, I mean, it's cute. great. <laughs> it's cute. Cute. Yeah. And like the, uh, yeah, definitely cute. And uh, like the book, it ages really well. Mm. Uh, I was, you know, I've seen it a few times and when I, and I, you know, saw it in the theater and everything. And, but, but rewatching it, I really enjoyed it. And rewatching it and reading the book at the same exact time was really cool because, um, and I'm sure you probably noticed this too, so much of it. You know, so much of the book is dialogue and so much of the dialogue, the movie was just straight up the book, you know. They did a good job with that as far as keeping to what they did keep to script wise from the book. And they got the paranoia, which is huge. I thought they really nailed the paranoia where like, you don't know what's going on. And he goes back to the apartment and, and, you know, and and, uh, she's like, it wasn't in the times. And, And it's just like. It's very noiry, but in a postmodern, very postmodern noir. And you just almost like a, like a psychedelic in a way. You're like, what in the fuck? You don't know what the hell is going on. And um, so they nailed that. And it was very creepy, very scary. And uh, they, of course, they got the whole 80s surface with designer clothes, with everything like that. Um, it was fun. But I, like Vicky said, where are the kills? Give me some yeah. good kills, dude. I, it was no brutality. Oh, I like it's that. Not enough brutality. No, <laughs> the book is so that brutal. That's something. The brutality is art. The art—it's meant to turn your stomach, and it's meant to take it to the point where you're not even sick anymore. That you're just laughing. You're just like this has gotten ridiculous. You know what do I mean? Like, that, do you think oh, that could have been portrayed on the foot? Do you think they could have portrayed that well though if they'd done that? Because I think that's yeah, why they left now, that back then. The imagination. With a big screen, no, no, but they could have been a little more. Yeah. You know what they should have put in there was the soap was the uh, urinal puck. Why wasn't the urinal puck in the movie? That's like the best part of the fucking book, dude. <laughs> so funny. That is that is funny. That's I mean, I guess I'm sick, but that is like the yeah. funny yeah. thing to me. <laughs> well, the film like, does great that. In the movie. Oh my god. <laughs> the film has a sterile look and it has a look of a yeah. like an a, a television for a, a television ad. It all has everything that yeah. has this aesthetic yeah. sort of thing. That's sterile. Um, I mean, I think it's very, very clever that they f- bought, brought on two female screenwriters and then a female director to get this out there. Um, I mean, if you look at Mary Heron's work anyway, whether it's I Shot Andy Warhol or the Notorious Betty Page, she does quite good at these kind of um, creating these worlds and making sure that the world fits in her subject matter. So I think she did very, very well there. Um, I do think that if the film wasn't such a high caliber studio picture, maybe that um, if it was a bit more independent, I right. think that, you know, they think they probably could have got away with a little bit more. Oh, they could have got away with a whole lot more if it was an independent film. But at the same time, um, 
if you look at the caliber of actors, I think that all the actors that she got, they wanted to be attached to this film because of the hype behind it. You know, do I think it's the Brett, the best Brett Easton Ellis adaption? It's up there, but I, I do, I do think rules of attraction, dude, is my favorite. So, like you said there. So, what about yourself, Craig? What are your thoughts of the film? Um, I love the general aesthetic of the movie. Um, like, like what you said earlier, but um, my favorite scenes are, are pretty weird. I like when they're showing business cards to each other. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not. I'm just that they were they were shot really well with the lighting, and you could you could see the the quality of each other's cards. But yeah. I was laughing out loud though at some, um, yeah. his reactions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but my favorite scene of the whole film, I know it's pretty weird, but it's when he has the face mask on. Um, he has like a an ice pack, like a cooling face mask, the but face then gel, yeah. he does like a face, an actual mask, and he waits for it to dry. And then you yeah. see him peeling, not peeling it off, and it's like he's peeling off the layers of his psyche, sort of thing. And I just yeah. that, that's my favorite um, scene of the film. I think that sort of epitomizes. His morning regimen was one of my favorite scenes too. I have to admit. <laughs> Yeah, no, but that was genius. Like the way they did that, like you said, it was peeling away these masks and these layers like yeah. an onion. And it was a see-through mask as well. It wasn't a coloured mask. It was see-through, yeah. and it was it was just I thought it was beautiful. And um, really? the 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 bit that disturbed me, I think, the most was the woman. He had a threesome with the 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 hooker, and yeah. he said it was his cousin. And then she's <laughs> under the blanket, and then there's oh, blood, yeah. and it just got my mind going. I thought, oh, you know. Yeah. But, I immediately yeah. crossed but, my legs at yeah. that point. <laughs> what if they had done it like in the book? Dude? Across my Remember in the book how he did it? <laughs> Just like, damn. Yeah. Her face was muffled by the other girl. So the, she, when she was screaming, the other girl thought she was coming and was just yeah. getting yeah. onto her more and more and more. And she's yelling and thrashing. <laughs> ah, that was intense in the book. Yeah. No. Yeah. Even before that, there was a bit with a coat hanger. There was something with a coat hanger yeah. and something else. Yeah, it was just like the book. And I probably would have watched the scene. Oh, honey, the things I could do with yeah. you with a coat hanger. Yeah, we're not we're not done yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have said, "Oh, yes, we are." <laughs> it was really funny when when in the movie that he um. One of the one of the processes leaves, and then he pick it up again in the car, and then she says, mm. "No, no, I don't want to go with you because last time I have to go to yeah. emergency surgery. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had to go get a surgery. Just let your mind and the, run and the driver, and his, like, his, his chauffeur's like oblivious to everything. Like, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's walking, yeah. and the car was going really yeah. next to him. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough." I th- I thought now yeah, they that that was much more graphic in the book, but I think we all got the idea that you know eating out is definitely a lot different with Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sit there and say that I am watching the film and then remembering what Nouvelle Cuisine was at the time. I am so glad that we're past that stage. Cause I mean, you just like you just get like these little parcels of food. You used to be freaking hungry afterwards. It was horrible, you know. 
It's still, you know, it's just, I just remember like just getting and that, 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 that's a whole dinner there. That little parcel on that plate would be like and a huge plate. plate with a little bit of, you know, they swirl something around the outside of it. And you just have the little thing in the middle and that, that's your dinner. And, and you put the you little sprig, sprig of greenery on it to make it yeah. up to like 400 pounds. Well, the opening credits were quite good, weren't they? When they, when it actually looked like it was like blood splatter and like there was meat being chopped and stuff and you thought it was, something to being chopped up but then it turned out to be like this kind of a la carte kind of menu and turned into this mm-hmm. like beautiful kind of restaurant i thought that was quite good i, I enjoyed the kind of imagery i think of that. they i actually think that was copied from dexter right but, but you know the opening of that because if you look if you remember yeah. dexter dexter came out in the ninth late 90s right and if you remember the opening of dexter where he's like um making his breakfast and like yeah. that old shot and they yeah. kind of looking at American Psycho. It's kind of like they taking a little nod so, from yeah, that yeah. a little bit. Dexter came out before American Psycho. I did yeah. not realize that. Um, I didn't know that either. That was Dexter my nickname was. at uni. Wasn't he? Wasn't he doing um, Six Feet Under at the same time though? Was it? Or Six Feet Under. I think. Dex, I think Dexter. Hold on. Let me, I might be a bit wrong actually. Um, hold on. Let me just double check. Six Feet Under Dex- was an early two thousands thing, I think. Yeah. I love Six Feet Under. I, I, I never. Go, I should watch that. Yeah, I, I remember. No, oh, Dexter came afterwards. So I guess Dexter took a page out of this after this. Then it's the other way around. Then so because um, the opening of this with the food and everything and Hannibal. Oh, Dexter, American Psycho there. rules, man. The American Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Dexter, sorry, sorry about that. Actually, I, <laughs> Dexter probably was made because of the American Psycho. It's probably got how come it got greenlit, probably. So I think. Um, so what are your thoughts, uh, Leandro, about American Psycho? Um, okay. I have I have made uh, a list. Um, a list. He's all prepared yeah, today, yeah. Leandro. I have a lot of things to say. Um, I really like this movie. I really enjoy it. Um, well, first, uh, as um, Craig said, the part of the routine that he had to put them... Um, all the things in the all the products in her face. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I was trying to. Well, actually, I'm right now in the moving that part, but I'm not going to read everything that he's saying. But basically, he's explaining us all the things that he done in his face. But then when he peeled it off, he said, "Well, the the thing that nobody sees my real me." So kind of for the for the rest for for all the colleagues, he's one person, but the real one is when he's in his house doing. That thing that's really interesting. Um, then there is one part that he said um, his girlfriend is saying, "Well, if you don't, if you should be quitting that job uh, because you don't like it." And then he, he said to her, "I just want to fit in." So, which I think is like for me, obviously, he doesn't belong to that that society, that that part of the society, that, like a rich people. Because if you are in that part of society, you never think that you have to fit in where you are. So it's for me like a constant uh, uh, effort of him trying to fit in, in in all the aspects from how he looks or how he acts. For example, he said that people should be more considerate and go back to the the old morals and consumism and it's, all that is all bad. And he's, I don't know, consuming... 20 products for his just his face look okay. So it's like a bit of like and then um, 
it's really interesting that uh, the thing that he's trying to fit in his he ha he have like two or three attempts to book a table in this posh restaurant called uh, Dorcia, and he never succeeds because mm -hmm. you have to be really in a like high society to be able to do that. And it's really funny when the movie he calls because he's inviting the his secretary, and then she said, "But you never even say who you are, so I know because they know me." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's really interesting, you know, like. Because this movie is based in the 80s, right? Or I think, you know, or around, I don't know exactly when, but I remember that Madonna gave a, a speech a few years ago, and then she said that when she was becoming famous, New York was a really crazy place. She was saying there was a lot of drugs, there was a lot of people getting AIDS, people dying like that because of AIDS. And there's yeah. like a lot of insecurity, and no one used to like kind of, care for others because they were looking protecting themselves so either well we don't know if he really did all this murder and, and but if he would have done it do you think like it would have been really easy to he to be discovered i think no because he was be, like part of a society like they can do what they want look this woman, that was watching this movie you know that that thing that has been happened with a man called epstein or Epstein. i don't know the yeah. this friend with the prince of, yeah. and he, he Prince, Andrew, a, Prince yeah. Andrews Epstein. Mm. Yeah, that man. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. That's yeah. yeah. And it's the like, one that didn't hang himself. <laughs> well, I, don't think, I don't think he hung himself. I think that they helped him they helped him to hang himself. <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is like all those things happened. Nobody knew anything, right? Because it, this, this... He is a Patrick Bateman character, isn't he, man? Kind of, sort of. He's, I never really thought... Yeah, he is a Patrick Bateman kind of character, isn't he? Yeah, well, if you think it's like, this is the kind oh, of people that they're, they're doing what they want. And we, we, as long as the media... Psychopaths, though. Like, they don't... Never know. And for them, people are like, well, numbers, you know, for someone else, you know. I, um, yeah, I, think, I think if you are going to be a Patrick Bateman, uh, I think Jeffrey... I, th I mean, I think if you want to get away with things, you kind of have to make sure you're connected to the right people. You know? Right. Make sure, make sure you have the right political parties backing yeah. you up. <laughs> that way you won't get in trouble for it. Well, well you know, don't, don't go Republican or Democrat. Go with both and you'll be fine. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> no matter, just go no matter who's you in power, you're going to be fine. So. You can't beat it. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. When he, I don't know if you remember, when he was trying to order a drink in the bar, and the bartender was like kind of not not paying attention to him, that he was when she turned around and said, "I will kill you, I will kill you," and um, play with your blood, an ugly bitch. Yeah, play with your blood, play with your blood. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> like that. He thinks <laughs> that when he's on the YouTube. <laughs> when he was on the laundry, that he was turning to them and saying that he will kill you, which he would, he could kill them. And then enter someone that he knew him and he changed like that. Um, so that was really, for me, really funny. And I, um, when he was having a treatment, he said this, I have all the characteristics of, characteristics of a human being, flesh, blood, skin, hair, but not a single clear identified, uh, emotion except for grief and disgust. Yeah. Something horrible is happening inside of me. And I don't know why. 
my night blood, nightly blood, uh, last has overflowed into my days. Um, well, I feel lethal on the verge of frenzy. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. So I think like, well, this, this is the last thing I'm going to say. You know, for me, it was really interesting when he was escaping from the police and he entered to the, uh, the place where he lives and there was someone on the desk and he shoot him. And then he goes out, out, enter again. And then the man said, oh, no, you have to sign, you know, to enter. And I said, yeah. oh, yeah. And I'm going to sign. So I think that probably he has kind of like flashbacks of things that he would do, but he is not doing. And it's, it's all in between, like a mind game between, okay, this is reality. This is not reality. And I, I personally think that when he told the lawyer all the things that he did, they were true. But not even now the lawyer wants to believe him because he was with this man 10 days ago, which I think probably the lawyer did, that didn't know this person properly and thought that it was this Paul, some new man, I think, I don't know. Probably it wasn't because... Did you think that he maybe actually killed some people or and that he might have imagined killing some people? Do you think no, there was I, both going on? No, I think that I think that he killed the people, but you know, it's like a kind of like his mask was so perfect that no one was never going to believe what he, what he was saying. And I think when actually he was true, told the lawyer, the lawyer, I think, saw someone else that he thought it was this Paul, but it wasn't. And that I think that, you know, when he went to the flat that was going to be sold and he, he put the, the body on that uh, place and that place has been refurbished. Well, I think right. that, His lawyer didn't even know that he was Patrick Bateman. Yeah. He thought it was Marcus, didn't he? Or was it the other guy, Paul? Paul Davis? He thought he was Paul Davis, or I can't remember now. This is like how far does the rabbit yeah. go harvest? Like Alice in fucking Wonderland. This like that's what that's why I think it's just magic. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> right? right? For example, he killed this Paul and then he was saying that he was Paul. <laughs> <laughs> one of the prostitutes, I think, and so he was like, look, my name is Paul uh, Newman, I don't know, and, then, and you are, so, no, really, for me, it's a really interesting movie, um, well, I, I have to say, I have, this is the second time I have seen it, but, you know, the, every time you watch it, you, you see different things that before, oh, maybe, nice. you're paying attention, and, yeah, amazing. I have to find, what I found very interesting watching the film this come around is looking at the aesthetic of it, Mm-hmm. Every house is just white walls and wooden floors. Just everything's white. White is in now, especially white. down here around Dallas. Everybody wants white. Everything's white. Yeah, green. but I, I think it's it's kind of a weird. I mean, if you're a serial killer, probably the last thing you want to have is white walls anyway. It's hard to get the stains <laughs> out. Well, he lived a very um, clinical lifestyle, didn't he? Except for when he was killing people or ripping their their vagina out of them with his teeth or whatever, you know. Yeah, but and that's, and that's why I that's why I would also think that he probably the killings are in his head, and I think for him, I think for Patrick Bateman, is that. The only thing that would make him interesting as a person is to be a serial killer. Because if he wasn't a serial killer, there'd be nothing interesting about him whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and basically it's his evil thoughts and his evil um, way of thinking and his sociopathic, you know, he's, I mean, he's sociopathic. We, we can't think we can agree on that. 
it probably should be, you know, American, you know, American sociopathic, really, instead of psycho. Yeah, he's a sociopath, but, for sure. You don't think he's a psychopath? What? You don't think he's a psychopath? I don't think he's a psychopath. No, I, I think psych- psychologically he would fit in the sociopath thing. Now, why do you I say that? Because think... he's got more feelings than a true psychopath? or A psychopath basically um, can have feelings and stuff like that. A sociopath basically has no feelings at all and don't feel right in their own environment. They're not part of the environment. And they, they have a... They have a false identity of where they fit in society. A sociopath feels that they are above society and that they are like a narcissistic but in the book though and i don't know if they mentioned it once in the film though they did say he wanted to fit in you know he was trying to fit in i just want to fit in they're asking him why he works they're like your family is so and so he's like i don't want to talk about it they're like your dad did and they're like and he's like no i don't want to talk about it and like why do you work you don't have to and yeah, like, I think I he works as the basically if he didn't if he didn't work, he wouldn't have no social life. Yeah. Work is him, or it's work is something of existence. When did he work yeah. in the film though? Did you actually ever see him do any work? Well, he doesn't really he work. He did go to the office. I mean, he, I mean, you got to I think I think what you have to look at as far as um whether Brett Easton Ellis is talking about his work or whether in the film. Yeah, I think he did work, but at the end of the day Talking about someone's work is about as interesting as basically watching paint dry. I mean, if, you don't, if someone goes, "How was your day?" You don't want to. You don't really care. You don't want to hear about that. I don't care about what where any of you guys work and what your day was like. I don't. I care what you guys do for a living. That's fine. But going to detail day by day, I don't give a shit. Please don't share that with me because I don't care. <laughs> you know. I'm going to make sure I tell you next time. Great detail. You know, there, there are two ways you can live work. A, what, bitch at people who don't, best the bitch at people that you're working with, with the people you're working with, you're going to bitch about work. Bitch about it with the people you work with because they'll understand. Bitch about it with the people who don't know nothing about where you work or what you do. Yeah. They're bored. They don't care. They don't care that, you know, you're pissed off it because Susie is screwed off with this person not doing her job properly and da 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 da. And this person's not because you guys, unless you know Susie <laughs> and you work where I work, you guys don't give a shit. And I think that's probably why. You don't see him work in the movie or don't see him work in the book because, you know, Patrick Bateman is narrating. There's one section where he goes, you know how he goes off on the rants that are like two page long paragraphs? Yeah. There's one where he he starts like mergers, corporations, fax machines. He starts naming all these and he's naming all these like shit. I don't even know Wall Street terms that, you know what I mean, about. And he does it for like two pages straight. And I think it's like kind of the tedium of work for him. You know what right. I mean? It's just, just nonstop bullshit, a block of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there, there are two interesting things. Is you know when, when he starts to do this daily routine, he's standing in front of the mirror and next to, well, he was peeing. And next to, next to him is a picture of the Les Miserables, the play. Yeah, totally. It's the a contrast huge part. of his face. And then another thing that I, it caught my attention, I have to go back to watch it it's like i don't know if you noticed but all the people were presenting the cards all the cards were said vice president how many vice presidents were company yeah. yeah so i think that this was like, really? a kind of like okay this is like a, a game See, i who- thought it was a massive pissing contest i if i wouldn't have been yeah. surprised that they all took their dicks out and threw them on the tables he was bigger at that point yeah. the way they were acting about those cards because that's what it was yeah. it was a massive pissing contest well, it's still a pissing contest today. I mean, the thing is, you know, you get a bunch of business person. I mean, 
if you worked as a waiter or anything like that, and you worked on a Friday night at any place where a bunch of businessmen go after work, I mean, you, this is what you see. I mean, there's yep. no, you know, it's all about, you know, who's made the biggest, you know, who's gotten the biggest bonus and who's doing this and doing that. And they're all talking each other up. You know, it's yeah. locker room talk, basically, instead of a, you know, a five-star restaurant. That's pretty much what it is. It's all, you know, it's all peacocking. Everyone, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what they, that's what these people are doing. And it's peacocking in front of each other. Mm-hmm. But they're peacocking about everything that's surfaced. I mean, no one's peacocking about what's really going on. Look at the, I mean, look at the um, Samantha Mathis's character, who's basically, you know, addicted to, you know, prescription drugs, lithium. Yeah. And, so on and so forth. I mean, basically, no, one, none of them care. None of them care that she's going down this do, down road. Down the tubes now. And he still took her out. But it's important that she's at your bloody party because when they write about that, he cared about her. I think associated with yours. That's important. Matt, well, I think he cared about her. Yeah. He did you know, kind of love her, though, didn't he? Was it Courtney? Was it Courtney, or was it? Who was it that was the drug addict? She was always taking Halcyon and Valium, and he would go over and sleep yeah, with her. Yeah, Courtney. She's a, what's yeah. his name? Uh, um, fiance. Louis's fiance, Courtney. He, she, he was the Louis guy that hit on him, She's all right? fucked up on pills. Yeah, yeah. She was taking lithium, but does lithium really zonk you out? It's the second on what is Xanax would. But, Xanax well, I think, would. I think Xanax, was, he was eating so much Xanax. That was another ridiculous there's thing. There's no way in the that. Valium. There's no way you can eat that much of that shit. Well, you can. <laughs> if you stay awake, what was it? According to the Wolf of Wall Street, you just got to stay awake for 15 minutes and get just over the hump. No, that's Quaaludes. That was Quaaludes. <laughs> yeah, you can I, pass I the first her, 15 I mean, minutes. <laughs> in the book, it does mention that she was cocktailing and self-medicating. So... Even though she might have been on, you know, second all, she probably was mixing it with something else. I mean, normally people who are self-medicating through prescription drugs normally are prescribing themselves by a little bit of downer here, a little bit of upper here, and a big downer to bring up the little upper and trying to stabilize whatever they're doing. And of well, course, it kind of makes sense. Back four in bottles the day, of champagne you... a day. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and people, th- people self-medicate wrongly. I know I deal with people who self-medicate all the freaking time and I deal I have to deal with the fallout of that. Right. My um, do a couple and, lines, do a couple lines and then take about half of Xanax just to even out the mood. Another thing you need to remember with psychiatric drugs anyway is that you have to titrate up and down on them. You can't just take them and go off them and take them for a couple of days. Go another thing, they stay in your system for 60 days. So what basically, so, so if you take a Benzos a or an antidepressant, and I test your hair follicle 60 oh, days yeah. later, there's still traces there. It does it takes that long for it to go out of your system. It's gross. And another thing is that basically it stays in your liver. It, it fries in your liver for 60 to 60 to 90 days. More that you take, the more your liver is being damaged in your kidneys. Because <laughs> it does it, they all they all have these side effect drugs, side effects. Right. So when you get people who self-prescribe or basically self-medicating through uppers and downers and stuff like this. That's the reason why. Another thing is you're also affecting your um, your brain, your chemicals in your brain as well. It affects all that. The and the more you take it, the more you have to take. And the more that you take, the more, you know, the more it affects it. It has this downward. I know power. they were doing ecstasy in the book. Were they doing ecstasy in the movie? I can't remember. It's the nameless white powder. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, he does. 
he, I mean, he does feed it to his um, ex-girlfriend at that time yeah. before he kills her during the that was awesome. But, but he, they didn't label it at that time. They didn't label it, so... I didn't say best scene. I like my favorite scene is when he's he's naked, covered with blood, with his Nikes on, running through the hall with his with his his, <laughs> yeah. his, his, his chainsaw, trying to get the hooker. Yeah, he throws the machine down. He's sitting there going like this. I thought that that and when he's staring at himself while he's doing the hooker, it's like, what the hell was that all about? That was he's genius. Sitting there doing this. That was true. He's genius. looking at himself and he's going, he's kissing himself. Yeah. But when he opened the fridge, parts of the movie. You like ice cream? I know he's doing this. He's flexing his muscles, but I'm just like, what the hell is he doing? I mean, yeah, he's into himself. Yeah, I've been out with that. I was, that. Yeah, I I was laughing. I've been watching um, Sex in the City. Um, just kind of rewatching. I watched like the I first watched two or three. Series. So I've been watching. I've been watching the new, the old, the old series. And there is like there is a one. couple. There are a couple ones where this guy would film the girls having sex, and basically he'd be like having sex with a hidden camera. But yeah, he's there smiling. The guy is pumping away. <laughs> it kind of reminded of that. Yeah. Yeah, but I think this is different. He's not like smiling he's just admiring himself why else do people why else do people phone, um, film themselves having sex so they can admire themselves later isn't it that's why you do it certainly i guess well, if you're I that proud of yourself i don't know it's just something it's just something very erotic about it you know i mean it's just something you're like it's naughty it's like, naughty. bad there's something naughty. like voyeuristic and bad and like it's so it's a turn on you know that yeah, reminds every, every me, I got to get my daughter's Hulu account so I can watch Pam and Tommy. It's dangerous, too, man. It's <laughs> like the old days, you just had it on a videotape. It was, you know, like. Yeah, well, you I heard there and say every time I think of um, people filming themselves having sex, I just think of dogma. When Alan Rickman says, because oh, there's nothing worse. God said there's nothing worse than men's faces during post cloyded sex. Yeah. <laughs> the faces that the humans make after sex. I know some people who sell who sold who sell them onto the internet and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like normal kind of people, you know. You know it's oh, weird. I don't care what people do. Yeah. I just I just thought that that was funny because he has her ankles up around her, you know, his head, yeah. and you know, and he's just sitting there looking at himself, flexing his muscles. Pumping he tells her to smile like at the a- camera at one point. Huh? He tells the one hooker to smile at the camera. Yeah, she smiles yeah. and then she's waving like this. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's quite funny about that is you, you see this every day today. It's like you'll go to a restaurant with someone, right? Who thinks they're quite it. And basically you'll be at a restaurant or a coffee house, something like this. And basically your back's to the, the glass and they're basically looking at themselves in the glass. It's a fucking tea. That happens all the time oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that new vanity. I mean, my nieces and nephews, I mean, they spend more time looking at themselves than actually looking at anyone else sort of thing. You know, if you uh, look at most of the TikTokers, kids uh, definitely do it a lot. I've seen children do it a lot, lot, lot. Yeah, yeah. I like you notice that every time he's going to kill someone or he has killed someone, he said he has to go on um, return videotapes. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's always got to return his videotapes, yeah. but even just getting away from from pa- uh, Patrick, I mean, you've got his friends, and then you've got Reese Witherspoon. It's just like she is like she's like the female version of him, but she's not killing anybody. But she's just as 
all over herself and about what her outward appearance looks like and what people are going to think. And they need to be married because they all have the same friends. You know, I mean, well, she's a, she's, she's a society it girl. Yeah. She's the kind of person that her name would be mentioned in all the society pages. Oh, such and such has had a party and, you know, that's the, you know, but then if you look at, you know, she's hanging around art, you know, I mean, in the book, I mean, in the book, it's at her house, which I think it would have been better if it was at her house where here right. the, the scene takes place in a restaurant. Right. Where she has the, um, the druggy um, artist. Right. Who's a bit, you know, multi-sexual with the, um, you know, the drugged out girlfriend and, they're kind of like invite these people to her house because it was important that you know she was associated with these artists because you know these are the kind of people that you you know if you're having an art opening you need these people to come to your art art exhibition you know patrick bateman and these these people who you need to come because if they come then society is going to write about you well they all talk about people like pieces of meat especially the guys you know you and he gives the hard bodies. You could not make this movie in 2022 without he gives, people freaking oh the fuck out. Yeah. Oh my god, just try it. You know, I'm sorry. He, that big speech he gives in the restaurant as well about um, world hunger and poverty yeah. and everything. <laughs> That's when you that realize she's really, kind of so twigging. You think this guy is nuts. Like, <laughs> it was so sarcastic though, because he's acting like he really cares about the poor. Nobody gives about the poor. It's fuck the poor. Yeah. It was a Reagan speech. It was like Ronald Reagan talking. Well, it's a bit like Harry he and was. Megan talking, isn't it? Like Harry and Megan talking about, you know, this and oh, that, about the, you know, you know, about the ecology and saving the planet while they're getting on a private jet flying from Philadelphia. They kind of mean it. I mean, they kind of somewhat mean it. He doesn't mean it at all. It's just a total utter bullshit, you know? Yeah, I say he's doing sarcastically. But I think he's is, being sarcastic. But, but we do experience this on a daily basis. I mean, look at George Clooney when it came about the refugees. Oh, God, oh, yeah. Everyone needs, you know, everyone needs <laughs> yeah. to take care of the refugees. Right. Everyone needs to take care of the refugees. And then when they went to Italy and they and um, Italy decided to house them at Lake Como, he sold his house that I can't live near these people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like you know you do you do kind of got these rich people sort of thing talking about oh we need to do this and do that and they mention all these things but they yeah, really don't it's do easy anything. to mention all those right, things when right. you're rich and don't have to worry about a loaf of bread that's well, where it's, they're it's at like, it's been like you it's been like you too i mean you too talks about oh we need to save hunger family da, da, da. but you know the, you know the thing is if you get in a cab with bono he gets out first so you're stuck paying for it it's a bit like bob gildoff never go to dinner with bob gildoff because he leaves before the bill comes he sticks yeah. you with it aren't you not allowed to look at bono doesn't he have a that in his contract that if you're working there you're not allowed to look at him yeah and and the funny thing about this thing is i mean first of all where did bob gildoff get his money he got it from live aid so i don't know how many how much money went to those third world countries because he became a multimillionaire after that yeah. Trust me, I, I don't like Mondays to make that much money as a song sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, as far as you two goes, I mean, if you think about it, if you if they are so obsessed or Madonna or any of these people are so obsessed about saving the world or doing anything, all they have to do is make one album and give all the proceeds away. Exactly. World hunger in a country, a small country. Well, you know? that's what we are. The world was supposed to do. We are the world is basically we are the world. We are the hungry. We accept Visa, Mastercard, and American Express. That's what the word should have been. Yeah. <laughs> it was who was that? Michael Jackson and Leon, Leon and uh, Rich, Richie. 
Lionel Richie, yeah. Lionel Richie, yeah. It together. Yeah. I love that song. Basically, and America only did We Are the World because Band Aid had a hit. Did the Ramones sing on that? Were they one of the people there? No. Who? Bob Dylan oh, yeah. was there. Well, we are the world. Yeah. The Ramones did something cool once like that. What the fuck were they on? Maybe it was Hands Across America or something stupid. You just yeah. see them in the yeah. background for a hot second. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, and Joey, Joey probably, Joey was only the hands across America because he's picking up his stash. <laughs> yeah, he took one go across the valley. Uh, or, Did you see maybe, uh, maybe, um, the movie with hands across America? Out there because he was prostituting at the same time, wasn't he? So, who was? Uh, Joey Ramon. Didi. was a prostitute. Not Joey Didi. Didi, yeah, Didi was the prostitute. Didi, Sorry, he wrote the song Didi. about it and shit. Yeah, dude. Because uh, he used to prostitute in between gigs and stuff, and he had a pimp as well. Right. Oh, oh did you know they did a We Are the World for Haiti? I bet you they never saw any of that money. Haiti never gets any of their money. Uh, I did you guys see us? I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on a tangent and get us in trouble. Um, yeah, we are the world They've got a lot of um, UFOs in Haiti. I they never get any of their money. That's where the money's gone. They got all the money, right? And they they never get their money. Haiti is, is in a world of... No, no, but imagine that, they, well, imagine that they, they buy food to, to these people who don't have food, right? How much food can, how, how can it last for all the people that need, need that? Oh. So I think it's because they're not teaching them how to kind of things so they can be self-sufficient. It's like you carry on making 88, uh, we are the world and blah blah blah. But it's like you're not you're not teaching them how to do it by themselves with what they have. Precisely. Instead of te- oh. teaching them how to instead of teaching them how to um, survive, what you're teaching them is to become reliant on you, and that's the problem. Yeah, because they can't. Yeah, Prince didn't want to do "We Are the World" because he hated the song, and I guess Lionel Richie mm-hmm. begged him to come, but he wouldn't do it. He just didn't uh-huh. like the lyrics. Well, I mean, it's it's a it's a saccharine sweet song that's kind of like kind of sickly. I mean, if you look at the 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 UK, don't they know it's Christmas? That actually was a better song than we are. I actually like that song. It's kind of like it's kind of like Disney cares about Disney's going to come save the world now. It's song. It's not felt like a Disney song. Well, with all the money, everybody like Farm Aid, all this other stuff. World hunger should have ended a long time ago. We've got billions to send to assholes. Yeah, but. (laughs) <laughs> it's not so, gonna say you're not gonna say hungry countries because at the end of the day, if they have oil, that's the only that's the only countries that they're the only ones that people care about <laughs> as far as yeah. nations are concerned. Right? You know, yeah. look at Sarajevo. Sarajevo, no one cared that they were killing each other. You know, then you get like a little bit of a civil war and they got a bit of oil. Oh, we all care now. <laughs> like, Nobody cares until it's on your back door. So you know, I'm sure if Russia would decide that they're going to sit there and invade Ethiopia, I don't think we care. But because it's Ukraine and they have oil, we care. You know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, so when Patrick Bateman's kind of going off of that thingy, it's kind of funny because you kind of do think of that. And, you know, and I guess this is going back to the Jan Jackson album um, I'm in the documentary. She talked about her rhythm nation. Yeah, and they go, oh, you know, because she was way ahead of her time. She got with this album, and they said not to do it. And she did Rhythm Nation, and it was just quite political and all good. And she said, it's quite funny. She goes, she goes, yeah, she goes, I'm really proud of that album. She goes, not that it did a lot of good. She goes, we got the same problems today as we did back then. <laughs> she goes, I'm glad it did well. <laughs> Long as you have you know? greed, they're gonna have the same problems all the time. It's never gonna go away. 
Well, I mean, it, but it was quite interesting, you know, that I mean, Bateman does say that because all the things that he's talking about are nothing's changed, has it? Well, that was sarcasm. I don't think he was being serious. Didn't you guys think he was just being sarcastic? But well, I think he's being sarcastic. But what he was saying basically is what normal what normal people say in that kind of a setting anyway. Yeah, I guess it's easy yeah. to talk about the poor and about the bad things that are going on in the planet. When you have so much money, you can rise above all of the stench. Ted Bundy talked about learning to act like a human, learning to say the things that other humans say, learning to fit in and compartmentalizing the part of you that wanted to, you know, do the things that he did. You know, know, it's funny, though, that if someone becomes famous, they they send them to media classes of what to say, what circumstances and what to speak out about and what not to speak out about. Oh, like don't look up. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Great film. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Whoopi Goldberg, I think it's, been, I mean, it's probably been a long time since Whoopi Goldberg went on that, but <laughs> it's probably needs oh, to be yeah, for that. Whoopi's but, in trouble. <laughs> you know, but, you know, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, when, you know, and, and, the, and social settings, if you're in the, if you're in a social setting that's um, upper middle class and above, there is a, there are things that you say and things that you don't say and, there's a time and place for everything well you know when it comes to society and even you know let's take media i mean if you go if you go to do a lot of things in media whether it's a film or television and it's all about love being a lovey and all this other stuff and it's all this artificialness that that this whole world creates and american cycle is basically this artificial world but in an investment banker situation but the media is the same artificial thingy there. It's all people kissing you and hugging you and talking about how great you are. And not, they don't even know who the hell you are. And they probably never read any of your stuff. Right. You know, I remember you, when you, I sold the tele, I remember when I sold the television deal and I'm there with my agent and all these people going, Oh, you're fantastic. I love all your stuff. And I asked them what they thought about, you know, what they, you know, what they thought. Oh, we think it's fantastic. I go, what did you like about it? None of them could answer me. None of them fucking read it. Yeah. You know, and that's all about that. So, thinking, do you yeah, guys yeah. think that he actually killed people in the movie and in the novel, or do you think this is all in his head and that there was no murders at oh, all? Not. It's in his head. There's yeah. no way. Dream. It doesn't even matter. Both. <laughs> I mean, if Paul, let's put it this way: if Paul Owen, everyone knew that Paul Owen was the same. Right now, if he murdered Paul Owen, he was taking people back to Paul Owen's house and murdering. Right. There would have been something in the society about about the murder scene that was left. Right, Jeremy had to said that he left the left away. Right, that was. Cool I was just wondering if he was half imagining and maybe acting out like on the prostitute say because they're nobodies that are going to be missed. You know, I just wonder. I don't think there's any way to know. No, I don't think there's any way to know. But at the same time, I think. You know, he's in a flu- influential building. This woman's running down in in his building full of yuppies. Yeah. And we're Banging on the door. Banging on the door. Banging on the doors. You know, and he's using a chainsaw. I mean, chainsaws are not well-known sound in a New York. It was electric. In his defense, it was electric. And he was running naked, but just his In the movie, he's got a full-on chainsaw. Yeah, and the book is fun. <laughs> and you know, and as that as that thing's whirling down and hitting, I mean, that, that, there'd be a big echo effect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where's the doorman? Yeah, well, and, just maybe go back and forth. It's like, how much is he imagining? Because you really don't know. Well, another thing I think you have to remember is that well, doesn't matter if you're living in a new building. Doesn't matter where you know anything from 1960s onwards that was built. Um, 
soundproofing is not great. So if you got people no. screaming and no one's raising any kind of alarms, and it would be weird if um, the doorman oh, God, was, yeah, was the in on it. Like they were, they were like a, it was like a, yeah, like body a duo. Doorman is another thing. <laughs> That was funny as shit. He just goes right past the doorman with the yeah, with the bag. He's smoking cigars to get over the smell and the stench. You know, it's well, he's grabbing that that uh, sleeping bag and he's just dragging it. There's there's right. blood trail behind him and yeah, he's just yeah. throwing the car. And then the he goes, is- "Where did you get that?" When he goes, "That briefcase oh, or that bag or something." <laughs> yeah. or something. I'm going, oh my god, yeah, he's like a it's dead Gucci, body. Okay, and throws it. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing that you can tell like, that it's all in his head is the simple fact that when he brings other people back to the places where he's murdered people and, the, and, he, and he hasn't disposed of some of these bodies apparently because they're basically lying around and they don't smell anything. Yeah. There's no hint of smell whatsoever. They're sitting there enjoying their drink and I don't care how, you know, body, body smell, body decompo- decomposition is not a nice smell. No. You know, know, you know, when, you know, when I used to do crime scenes and stuff like this, I mean, basically we used Vicks vapor rub underneath our noses every time we had to go see bodies sort of thing, because it, it just, it's just horrible. And, and, he, and it, 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 it sinks into your clothing. It sinks into everything. It's like, it's made like, it's made like, like steaks when it's old. No, old chicken. <laughs> That's what it smells like. Old no, rat yeah. chicken. It smells oh, like God. drowned rats. Drowned Ooh. rats are decaying in water. Like a frog. Has died in the garden and then it's what horrible things to end up. No, 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 I've never seen a frog. It's um, it's basically like um, it's like it's it's just like rotten meat in your fridge. If you ever had like rotten meat, and you take it out and you give it a quick sniff. Now mix it with like off off, off dairy. You smell product. it. You're like that's that. Huh. You know, and I'm it does that. I mean, it does have a it does have a pigeon thing in um. The body jellyfies anyway. So basically, if you got bodies lying around and they're laying there for a certain point of time, after a week, they jellyfy and they stain your floor and you can't get the stain out. God, putrefaction. Yeah. My, my uncle's a carpet fitter and he, and he always says, because he always gets sent in to do the carpets after people have died. And he basically said, like, the end, the, uh, um, when you die, the last thing you see is the bottom of your carpet. Floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's something to look forward to. We also have to remember that when your body stops working and stuff like this and your body shuts down, there are things in your body that doesn't shut down and that's your acids. Your stomach acids keep going, and so what? I didn't know that. That's training, like wells exploding, isn't it? That starts eating through your stomach lighting and eating through your body. Yeah. Uh-huh. And eventually, it starts eating through the. It starts eating through flooring and stuff like that, or bed linen, or mattresses. And I mean, they don't show a lot of this. And I mean, that's the reason why you're going to if you're expose of a body. They take porcelain is probably the only thing it works on. You don't want to use plastic because your stomach acid will eat through plastic as well. Wow. I mean, that's why you use porcelain to bathtubs and stuff like that. That's why a lot of people, when they use a modern bathtub that's not porcelain, sometimes that. They'll find that it starts eating through the porcelain. Like in Breaking Bad. Yeah. So that's the lovely. That's lovely. So yeah. So as far as uh, you know, so as far as Patrick Bateman actually killing people, I would sit there and probably say, from my knowledge, I, and I, I got a feeling it's all in his head. Not because, even the bum. I mean, not. But the bum was there again, though, wasn't he? Did he see the same bum twice? Yeah. But he only stabbed him in the stomach and the eyes. 
And when he saw him, he was blind and the dog was limping. Yeah. Right. He just, he's like, I only stuck it in a half inch. And then he's like, hit it in the stomach a whole bunch of times. And then he sliced out both his eyes and then yeah. stepped on the dog. And in the movie, he doesn't, he doesn't see the same bum twice, does he, in the book? In the book, he does, I think. In the book, he definitely does. Mm. So he does see him twice, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, he the, leans down next to him and says, because the bum's got a sign that said Vietnam War Vet. Yeah. And he goes next to him and he's like, you're not a Vietnam War Vet. And he's like, don't hurt me, mister. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was having a hard time because he was so graphic and how he was thinking about these things happening in his mind. I thought, so well, graphic. did he act on any of them? You know, the, the, the writing is so phenomenal. It's just mind-bendingly good. You know, it's Hmm. He's such a good writer. Well, the, mo- oh, movie, God, the movie gives you an idea that it's all fiction anyway, because at the end of the day, what the movie does that the book doesn't really go into is that the secretary goes through his day planner yeah. and he's, he's illustrated what's going on yeah. inside his head. Yeah. So that would give you the illusion that basically, uh, as far as the movie is concerned, that it's, it's true. And she never probably did go get another job, the sap. You know, who must work for a psycho like that? I mean, that that's just crazy. Well, she didn't leave her job either. I mean, you don't know what she did. I mean, at the end of the day, she's still working there. Well, yeah. She she's like the most that. sympathetic well. character in the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm. she is, she's actually a human. You know what I mean? You feel, I feel her. Yeah. I was glad he didn't hurt her, though, because he got that nail gun out. Yeah. You knew he was thinking about it. And it's I so think brilliant. he actually. Just had, bad. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> but she could have took that like they could have took that in several different contexts. She That's might have she took it as I don't want to hurt you mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And she saw his diary. Gun. She yeah, wrote his diary, exactly didn't she? What's going on. Yeah. It's so, so brilliant. It's so funny. You I mean, don't know. I, I think another interesting thing is with Paul Owen. Paul Owen goes missing, um, sort of thing, or apparently goes missing. Right. And the thing is, is that He's like a hydra. Those people are like hydras. You cut off one person's head, another one just yeah. appears in his place. It's like another another clone just appeared, taking over this right. And then he, and he yeah. ended up right. having dinner with Kimmel as well. With it who? was a bit like Columbo, the the the, the detective. He just started. Oh, he just right. turned the, up at the, the restaurants, and it was a bit like, "What is this? Is, is this that was really just what a really weird relationship, Craig? Did you think?" <laughs> That yeah. they had, he had with the police officer. Yeah, it was like he, maybe it was his invisible friend or his. And it was William Defoe. Maybe it was his consciousness saying, "Look, this is you've done, you've done bad." I don't know. Yeah, I, but, they, I mean, is he, he real? Exists. The detective's question, real in you know? the book. He's real in person. He was actually looking for this individual, was he not? He's looking. What for is him. real? It's, the whole he, thing's he not real. None of it's real. Dead. There's a difference. There's a difference between person being missing and presumed dead. Right. Right. He was looking for. He was looking for Paul as a missing person, not as a, a corpse. He wasn't right. looking for the corpse of Paul. He's looking why why he went to London, and apparently, you know, people were seeing him in London all the time. So he went well. to London. Right. Yeah, he said I had dinner with him two two days ago or something. Two nights. But that guy doesn't know anywhere. He doesn't yeah. know, but he doesn't know who Bateman is. He doesn't know anybody. He could be anywhere and think that he was talking to somebody that he wasn't talking to. Right. And the that's, detective that's, says that. The detective's like, yeah, people keep saying they see him in London, but when I when I figure it all out, they saw this other person. It just looks like him. Yeah. And but another thing, when uh, it comes to solicitors, anyway, like you can't trust what they say anyway. Solicitors don't remember who, who anyone is unless you're paying them for during a court case. Right, and then you have to like you know yeah. unless you're unless you're you know unless you're paying their billing hours, they don't know who you are. 
and there's a pretty uncanny valley there too with the doppelganger well you know yeah he gets into doppelgangers in later books you know well i mean i'll put it this way as far as the solicitor goes i have a media solicitor that i have and basically i'm I'm sure if i ran into him in the street he doesn't know who i am unless it's unless um he has to go on track and that's all done by email i'm sure he doesn't know who i am he knows my name and that's probably it Oh yeah. You know, now, if I want now, if, now if I had to go to court for something, you'd probably know who I am for that for the for that brief period of time in my life, and then after that, you forget who I am, unless especially if I stop paying him. Dude, <laughs> I run into people and I have yeah. no idea who they are, and they're like, yeah. "Cool," and, I, and I'm I'm like going along with it, and then they leave, and I'm like, "Do I know them? Do they think I'm <laughs> someone I'm not? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is going on?" I actually do that quite often. I had a secretary that worked for me for eight years. Um, she left. Um, about three years later, I'm standing in line at Burger King, and this woman's talking to me. She's just talking to me. You know, you knew that thing where you go, yeah, yeah. You know, you smile hey, like you know who they are. You know who the hell they are. Good to see you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, you don't remember me, do you? And I go, no. She goes, I worked for you for eight years. Oh, she my goes, God. You're oh, my God. You're a bad man. Cousins, and you don't remember who I am. And she pretty much like, you started yelling at me and telling me to fuck off. And like, right? <laughs> fuck off. Like, There's at least one boss I would like to tell fuck off for my, my, my previous years. Yeah. If I saw him in public, it would be a real ass burning I don't really. I don't. There's very few people. Get him, Vicky. Yeah, get him. Do a do a psycho. I mean, there are people that I do remember that I wish I could forget. But <laughs> well, I mean, I just was wondering because I was get it kind of it 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 doesn't really move fast, but yet the movie does move fast. It kind of is like it's kind of like mushrooms. You're going up. You're going down. You're going down. <laughs> And I want to see a prequel about his his upbringing and where yeah, all this hatred comes from. And probably rules of angst attraction. And... Come on, rules of attraction. His upbringing is kind of mentioned in that. Oh, yeah, yeah I see that. I've never seen that. That's about, that's about his brother, who is the brother in Rules of Attraction. Is his brother in this one, right? In yeah. character, yeah. See, yeah. yeah, he's in Rules of Attraction. He he's got he's he's got a first person chapter and. Rules of that is so yeah. cool. I did not know all these books. I'm going to check this out. Yeah. I have to really say that. Awesome. It's very, I love his nihilism. Why they don't turn more of his movie, his books into films, actually, because they've had good, Less Than Zero is a decent film. Rules yeah. of Attraction is probably the best. Whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. For an, eight, for an 80s teen thingy, I think they did an okay job, considering it was the first one. And you can't get away with that was a big no studio, It was a big studio movie using big studio actors at that time. I think they did. I think it was okay. I mean, the did book's you see The Informers? Better. Which one? The Informers? I haven't seen that one. That it's is awesome. One. It's great. You know, it's his short stories, but they interconnect. And there's vampires in it, you know? I like that he writes. He's got... The fact that he's ever mentioned vampires in any of his work and that his worlds are connected make me say that he's a fucking horror writer. I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I I've read I've read four of his books. I I need to go back into him because I kind of was reading him for a while, and then I kind of you know where you kind of like move on to other people, and he I need to go back and you find yourself difficult going back because it, there's always something more that you got going on. So I'm gonna go back and read him, but I just I mean, yeah, I agree that he's horror because even though you know Less Than Zero is probably one of the worst. Not worse, but probably one of the best horror novels of that era. I mean, what happens to these people is the most horrific 
is more horrific than I'd rather read in a Stephen King book. Right. You know, what happens to these people? I mean, you know, one of the best horror films is Requiem of a Dream for me. I see. Hmm. It's a transgressive is how I usually label it. But yeah, yeah I'll go. I'll, I'll call it horror. I'll call anything horror. I love just because I love horror. I'm like, I'll claim it for my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cormac <laughs> McCarthy. Sure. It's fucking horror. Bring it on in here. You know, nicely. <laughs> Old country, especially when you read his book, The Road is Horror. I mean, let's face it. Right? You know, what's I know the, what's that the Shakespeare. Give me, I'm taking Shakespeare. I'm going all the way, man. Well, I've got to find some more of his books because I really like this author. I like him a lot. I mean, it, it, I've been writing down Informer and Rules of Attraction. I need to check all this out. Yeah. Rules of Attraction is brilliant. It has um, um, James Vanderbeek James in it. And the thing is, it, it shouldn't work but he does a really good job in it <laughs> yeah. i thought when he was in it, i was like oh god it's got dawson in it but then i saw it like that he's quite he's really good in it actually it See, i never saw that tv show so it was different for me because people kept TV saying show? that to me and i was like i don't know i don't know i've never seen the tv show so everyone's Which like TV show, Keith? dawson's creek um the league got oh dawson's creek yeah he played he plays <laughs> the, so the, Patrick bateman's brother in rules of attraction the movie i didn't know that oh. okay all right. It's a great movie. I highly suggest that one as well. Let's guess we should probably wrap this up and let's find out how many um, how many prostitutes do you um, are <laughs> going to give um, American Psycho? So, Vicky, how many prostitutes out of five are you going to give American Psycho? <laughs> oh, I'll give it four with throw a couple rails in. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually liked it. I mean, like I, I was telling, you know, I was, well, Matt heard me. I was saying, I wish they would have incorporated like maybe one more kill. I mean, not the vagina cheese roll up. I mean, we could have lived without that. <laughs> that would have definitely no. screwed up the R rating. You can do that, But I would have liked to have seen his rendition of the interview with the Cheerio. You know, just saying. <laughs> the cat scene was cool, though. Insert cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's but another I mean, thing. You know, like, come on, it's like, out- what? <laughs> he didn't pull out the, the, the lime and the, you know, sulfuric acid. So I was kind of bummed. <laughs> I got a feeling that if they made the film today, they probably would have kept some more of the violence in. 2000, by 2000, there was a big kickback with horror and horror was kind of being more, more, more sanitized. Scream. You know, back, if you look at the 90s and early 2000s. Today, I think they probably would have shown more of the, they probably would have shown more of the after effects of the killing scenes probably if it was done today. Oh yeah, I would have used something different than brie cheddar. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're better <laughs> off American, with, American girl. You're just better off with the cat that French the, stuff. French cheese in, in, in orphans is a lot easier, <laughs> right? Great cheese. <laughs> oh yeah, really easy cheese. There you oh, go. No. Oh god, you could have got a nozzle. It has oh, no. some CO2 in it. Just don't try this leave, at home, kids. If you leave it, if you leave it out long enough, it does harden. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, Leandro? How many um, prostitutes do you give this out of five? Uh, four point five. 
Because I would like to know if this was real or not. If I would have known that, okay, this is all, all, we know that it's all, like, happened. Um, yeah. No, I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, it's, it's funny, you know, doing this, doing this because we chat and we, a lot of things come uh, up that we did probably, I don't know, some, some, a part that maybe I didn't pay attention or and another person maybe, yes, yeah, so, yeah. And it's the second, I don't know if you have noticed, the second movie with, um, oh, what's the name? This man, the police officer. Second Where movie. Willem Dafoe. And this is still live and die in LA. Police officer. Yeah, I think he was badly cast in this. I don't, I didn't like William Defoe, it. I thought it was just, I, I think he was too. And I love him. I love him in Platoon. I love all of his movies. I like him in, you know, the comic movies, all of that stuff. He's a brilliant actor, but he didn't really fit this bill to me for some reason. I wasn't feeling it as the detective. I just wasn't. I, think I they felt him like as a detective, but it was nothing like the book. In the book, he's supposed to look exactly like him. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like it. I just like it. I think that, that I think we, the, the book that the book the, the screen that we did the month before this was Odd Thomas. Yeah. And again, I thought William Defoe was not great, not cast well in that one as well. So it's just kind of. A, I do he like William Defoe. What? He was just on Saturday Night Live last week. How oh, was, was he? he? Yeah, it was pretty. I good. like I'm him. I just think it. that. Um, I, I think when he does small roles and like small cameos, that he kind of takes away from the movie sometimes. Well, he's not a he's not like a character actor though. He's like, but it's a cameo kind of. But this wasn't really a cameo, was it? Well, really? he, he put his name on the posters, like, but he's not. I would like it was like, like an every man kind of a look, an every man yeah. thing about him. Like, you know, like um, he's creepy. I don't know. Corbin, Bur- not Corbin Burnson, but someone kind of like that. I don't know who. Sound like her. Yeah, well, he's got a unique look to him. I, you know, he's not. Well, I don't. He's, he's, he's got just a look to him. That someone who looks like um, a middle class father. In a I don't movie. know. He's creepier to me, like some kind of. Red well, he does girl. look creepy. Like, I always think of Wild at Heart. You know what I mean? That's that's like the image of him. I got to yeah. mind. Well, you know, like Christopher Walken might have been a, an excellent choice too to be the lawyer because he would have definitely. He's got that creepy look. Oh, they remind me of each other, yeah. yeah. They're just peculiar. They have they're right. not that they're peculiar looking. They're just there's something about them you can't put your finger on that makes them fun to watch. It's uncanny. Yeah. What about yourself, Stephen? How many prostitutes you give this out of five? I would give it five sex workers. Nice. Um, and that's really oh, based on Christmas. <laughs> you gotta make Christian Bale is put together really well for this movie. I thought he was brilliant, and I, uh, he looked good. I thought he, I thought he played the character so well; it was unbelievable. Yeah, um, I thought he was brilliant, and it's one of those films you can, you can watch. I've, I've, it's not the first time I've seen it, so I watched it quite recently, obviously for this. But I thought um, it's very watchable, and I think that possibly because <laughs> those really graphic scenes aren't so graphic in it, but. But they would have never gotten our rating. I don't think they, they would. I, I, I think there is something to be said to, for it to be left to your imagination, like I said right. earlier. I agree I think, with that too. I agree with and, that. And um, I think that that's possibly why it's why the film was quite successful. I think if it had gone the other way and been a bit more 
B movie or a bit it more get kind banned, of banned, didn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it would have. I think it would have been too gratuitous. I think even when you're reading those scenes in the book, it is still in your head, isn't it? It's how you imagine that in your head. And that's right. what makes it good. But I think if you saw that on a film, I'm not sure it would be would have been the same thing, to be fair. Because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have matched what you saw in your head, Matthew. Right. <laughs> I want to see him eating intestines, man. Oh yeah, the but, eating ow. the intestines. And what he say it was kind of what he say it was sort of sort of like a pate in the intestines. Like, oh, oh my god. With a foul taste. They didn't no. they didn't show anyone having their tongues cut out either. No, right. that would run against the wall. Yeah, they don't want to stop. Yeah, none of that. So yeah, bye for Christian Bale. Yeah, it sticks to the wall. I have to get there and say though, part in the book when he's talking about chewing on someone's intestines is probably the most disgusting thing ever because they weren't. And he's like, like, oh, old old people, old people do like eating tripe though, don't they? They do. (laughs) Old people, ox tongue and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Takes a lot of washing to clean out an intestine. Let's put it that way. That's just, I just I mean if, if you're going to be a cannibal avoid the intestine it can't be good for you no you know unless you're into that kind of thing which is perfect I just thought of Hannibal Lecter eating a brain Hannibal Lecter I don't even think Hannibal Lecter would have ate the intestines oh he was classy he just it was a palm of beans and a nice chianti yeah, no, you only use the intestines after you clean them out. And make no, he's cleaning, eating Jay Leota's brains out while he's awake. <laughs> we used to <laughs> stuff throw them in the frying pan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lobotomy. <laughs> Saturday kitchen. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so how how many how much do you rate it, Craig? Um, I'll give it a five out of five because um, this I like movies where there's more questions after like the more ambiguous and that um you know that i thought it was just great and um yeah i'm going to change my name to paul and get myself a new business card and (laughs) (laughs) i actually i actually watched this with my mum, and uh, the funny thing is with the skincare routine my mum turns to me and said god that's what i do every day (laughs) oh my god do you watch the part with the hookers (laughs) We yeah we we got through that yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) God I could do that I could do that with my mom if my dad was in the room I definitely the um the the the, the, Craig Craig, Craig's mom's the same age as you and I are Vicky so huh Craig's mom's the same age as you and I are is she really well then she's probably cool like we are too (laughs) my son was like I want to see Requiem for a Dream I was like. (laughs) Let's put put it the fuck on. Let's do it. And we sat and watched it. And, I get know, yelled at for doing that shit around the kid. My well, my wife is like, no one. That film is meant to be watched by no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to draw the no, line. No, he like it blew him away. It, he liked yeah. it. I'll tell you what, it's the best anti drug film out there. Sort That's of what thing, he said. As far as like hard, hard drugs. Yeah, he's sixteen. You know, and he's like, oh, he could like they should it. show that at the high school. Yeah. He's like eight years old, and I would have questioned. No, he's sixteen. No, I'm not showing an eight-year-old. I have an eight-year-old daughter, and no, she's not going to see that. I, I'm not, my daughter is never going to see that. Oh my god! You know what we did? We, what was it? What's the the new DC comic, or is it? Oh god! What is the new one? It's on uh, Disney. Captain Mo- Red Jacket Helmet. He used to be a football. Player. Why can't I think of his name? What was that? It's it's a new series, not a new one. But they're oh my god! I just it's about not- died. 
Daredevil. Scott, no, not Daredevil. Oh. It's a series. Scott said he had to turn it off because this guy was getting getting some chick at the friggin' the sink. And I go, oh my God, my grandson saw that. Oh, man, what's it called? This is going to bug me. Don't let your kid. I thought it was like one of those typical things they could watch. No. The know. boys? Oh, what was it called? It's on. Um, I think Disney no, Plus is showing. No, it's not Disney. It's HBO. It's HBO. Disney Plus is showing um, the Tommy Lee Jones uh, story, which is R.A.D. Oh, really? Like, they made. Oh, yeah. So I was like, well, okay. And wait till they get to the, the videotape of him and Pam. <laughs> That's why I was telling Brittany I wanted to borrow her Hulu account so I could watch Tommy. <laughs> That's gonna so what about yourself, things. Matthew? What do you rate the American Cycle, the film? Uh, it's hard to... I hate rating things. But I, I'll say uh, um, when I first saw it in the movie theater, I was really disappointed. Can you guys see me, man? I can. Uh, all right. And uh, uh, So when I first saw it, I was like, like Vicky, I need... I wanted some more blood. I wanted some more guts. And I think just seeing the book, the book had been, I had read it so many times, been so into it that seeing it visually was just weird. Does that make sense? But uh, over the years, man, I've watched it a lot and it gets better every fucking time. And just watching it uh, yesterday. It's great. It holds up so well. And I think they did perfect because it had to be made that way at that time. Do I want it to be different? Yeah. But I think they made it as perfectly as they fucking could. I'm going to give it five out of five. Yeah. It was Peacemaker. Don't let your children's watch it. It's, it's not for eight-year-olds. Oh, that's... Um, <laughs> I turned that's it from goes, he can't watch this. The Suicide Squad. Yeah, well, Suicide Squad he can handle, but not the Peacemaker, the series, because there's major from behind sex going on. <laughs> I hate superhero stuff, but I might have to watch that now. Yeah, <laughs> not with your eight-year-old daughter. Uh, no. No, definitely not. Yeah. Now for American Cycle, for me, I'm going to give it a four stars. I think it's okay. It's, I, um, I kind of wish that the New York was a bit more grittier on the outside to counteract the, um, this, the sanitized version that we're getting of New York. Because this is big, I mean, this is pre Disneyfied New York, so they still have that seventies grittiness. So it'd be nice. Well, this is when New York wasn't up. such a crap hole. Was in two thousand, they had a decent mayor, but if but, it was in the eighties, it should have definitely looked more downhill. Yeah, it should have been. Look, it should have been more with all these the um, you know storefronts and the porn and everything that was you know where they because those places that the meat market the district was all, wasn't, it wasn't yuppified yet. You know they were up. But they're all quite dingy, so it'd be nice to have a more dingier New York. But I think overall, I think all the actors are doing a really good job. I I find that, um, you know, I think every I think everyone was cast well. The only one I didn't think was cast well was William Defoe. He did seem think, a little out of place. For and I think reason. in order to keep it away from, you know, being, you know, censored and so on and so forth, getting a female director in who's a good female director anyway. Mary Harris makes some great films. The two female rock screenwriters have done fantastic work as well, sort of thing. She's also an actress, the the, the other um, writer is, and I've seen her stuff as well. So I, you know, I think it's I think it's a smart film for a for a studio film, and I think they I think they got away with as much as they could without pushing, but I don't think they pushed the boundary or the envelope too much. I think they kept safe and that. I well, did you get any closure out of it? I didn't really get any closure out of the movie, but there's I no guess closure. It's okay. That's the point of the, it's a, the whole thing. 
Uh, I think it's a film that you watch and then you walk away and you basically have a lot more questions and you have answers and that and that's exactly. what the book is and so it does keep to that. So the I, movie ends that. with um the movie ends with uh this confession means nothing and yeah. the book ends with this is not an exit. That's it. But they're both nihilistic and they're both great closing lines. Well, this is the end of the Literary License Podcast. Thank you for joining us for American Psycho. Our next book to screen will be Let the Right One In, which we'll be doing the Swedish adaptation and not the American one because that the American one's just wrong. So, <laughs> so agree. Yeah, so we'll be doing this the Swedish film. Um, and it's done by uh, John, I can't say his middle name, Lind- Lindquist. Lindquist. Can't say his, Lindquist. Um, Lindquist. 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 But we will have a um but we will be having a new person that will be joining us, reading our synopsis, who's a voiceover actor who's been doing voiceover work here in the UK, doing commercials. So you'll be starting doing our voiceover work for cool. our synopsis. Um, of course, our next episode will be Bewitched. We'll be doing season three. And of course, after that, our 80s two for one will be Killer Clowns from Outer Space and <laughs> Bad Taste by Peter Jackson. And it will be, of course, finishing our retrospective of Dark Shadows at the end of the month. So it's good night for myself and good night, Matthew. Good night, brother. Thanks for having me. Good night, Craig. guys. Really nice talking with all of you. Wonderful. Good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. Thanks for having me. Good night, Stephen. Good night. Thanks for having me. Lovely to meet you all. Good night, Leo. Good night. Have a good weekend. And good night, Vicky. Y'all take care of each other. And remember, COVID Vicky will be back the next week to share more of her COVID. COVID Vicky still did her podcast, but she was sick, so shut up. <laughs> and remember to join us next month for Let the Right One In, and of course next week for Be Good night, y'all. Good night. Good night, y'all. Good night.